broke. Here are some ways you can use broke. One, intense experience. Two, broken or torn. Three, break bust. I going broke your face. Oh wow, my new dress stay broke. Hey, please, please, babe. We gotta start. This is not. Oh. This is not a proper intro. Oh my bad. Oh my god. Just you're learning so, some pigeon. You're so fire. What is this? Pigeon to the max. Pigeon to no, the max. No, no, no. We're we're done here. We we're gonna do the the intro now. You're fired again. <laughs> Thank you for those of you that listened to our first episode in our two-episode series on drifting in Hawaii. And I'm not doing the intro. This guy for sure is not doing do the intro. I have another person we're calling. And Benson doesn't even know who I'm going to call. But Mark, here we go. Please dial this one up. That's a good one. Got it. All right. Okay. Hello. Hi. Hey, hey, Jason. hey, how's it, guys? Hey, how's oh, you? How's, how's, it? how's everything? How's the Ohana? Oh, yeah. Hey, we're good, man. Oh, yeah. okay. I don't, I don't know why, but when I say Ohana, I like to just roll my shoulders like that. Oh, I like that. Do some hula. I can do that. Good. Okay. Shoots. 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 Oh, wait, isn't shoots bye? <laughs> shoots is good. Shoots oh, is good. Shoots like, is good? Shoots, shoots, shoots is like okay. Shoots is like everything, I feel I like. Like, uh, that's like Aloha, right? Yeah. I don't know. know I I don't know anything. But guys, welcome Jason Ryan to the Salady Mania podcast. Jason, I'm nominating you to do our intro for episode two of our Hawaii Drifting series. Are you down? (laughs) I'm going to say shoots. Okay, okay, I think that's a yes. So uh, we're going to kick it off. Ready? Three, two, one, and let's go. Welcome to today's show. Today's forecast is nice, kind sunshine and 100% chance burn rubber. So grab one seat for your okole, kick off your slippers, and relax x lax as we holo holo with the ohana of the Sil 80 Mania podcast. Nice. Woo! I love it. Thank you so much. Hold on, wiping sweat. Okole. I know that one. I like that one. That's what, what is Okole, Nadine? Your, what is Okole? Your, your butthole. <laughs> oh, that's not... Okay, hold on. It is not the hole. Okay, okay. The hole is a, is a different... Okay, can you give us a little bit of a lesson? Sure, sure. What you like? On the body parts. So what's the booty? Oh, Okole. Okay. <laughs> what's the hole? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okole hole. Okole hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. <laughs> do you know why I called Jason to do this? Do I know why? Yeah. Because he's awesome? Yeah. Jason's awesome. Because he's know, an old friend? You know what's really cool? Jason's our old friend. And what's really cool is we hung out with Jason last year, and he took our family photos. And I want to show you guys on the YouTube video right about here and here. Oh, my gosh. Jason is such a talented photographer. But before that... He dabbled a little bit in video. So tell everybody, Honeybun. Yeah, so we met. I don't remember the moment we met, Jason, but Uh-oh. I remember you were around a lot at uh, the Formula D events, the very first season of Formula D. You And even before that, I, I met you before Formula D. 
um, you were doing like the the grassroots events, some competitions, and you were working for Grip Video. You are one of the founding fathers and integral members of Grip Video, and you were the videographer, yeah? So that makes me feel really old. <laughs> because that that actually was quite a quite a ways ago. You think about uh, where drifting has uh, where drifting is today. Yeah. You know? um, to think about back then being grassroots people within California doing it uh, on on that grassroots level. People in Hawaii. Uh, I think we met at uh, a club for a G day Moto uh, with Moto Miwa guys. Um, so way before Formula D. I yeah. Think. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Drift days. Yep, and I don't know. We just we just got along really well. Um, you put that camera in my face a lot, mm-hmm. and got yes. me doing some really embarrassing things. Thank you for that. Uh, <clears throat> nobody anytime, looked. Anytime, Nobody looked that stuff up, please. Do you remember the, the footage <laughs> with the hula girl? Like, hey guys, look at my hula girl, and then you showed no the hula girl on your no, toe we're not, hook. We're not talking like about that. I don't know if that was like, was that our second video? Or? I I don't know, but I was like my fave. <laughs> So um, I was, yeah, I was one of the original owners. So um, me, Mike, and Dave, mm-hmm. uh, all three of us did videography. We, we, all three of us did everything. There's only three of us. It was pretty crazy, you know? So, yeah. Uh, but it was awesome to meet you guys and to, to kind of be a part of and witness uh, drifting, growing in America uh, within such a short time. And you guys were such an integral part of that. You guys are like the root of all of that. So it's really cool to um, be on this podcast with you guys and, and talk about it and kind of reminisce about those days uh, because it, it really was the the inception of some really amazing big things, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. who would have thought that it would have blown up that fast? Yeah. You were kind of like at the forefront and watched like documenting all the huge growth that just the drifting in general had that's just crazy and you were kind of our line to um drifting in hawaii too we got to see everything so yeah so so speaking of which um when did when what year did grip video start so we started i want to say 2001 okay so me mike and dave were working at speedhawaii.com which was like a local car culture media website it was like one of the first ones and alex cam and all their guys came out with their sites uh and uh initially mike was one of the founders of speed hawaii and this guy farid had eventually bought it out from the the actual owner um and we kept wanting to do bigger and better things but we were kind of constrained by that situation so we decided to all leave together and start grip video oh the the history the Three Musketeers. And so when you guys started recording Grip Video, can you tell us uh, um, what it was, what was it like in the early, the early days of Drift Session? So, um, I mean, we had Hawaii Raceway Park at the time, uh, which we don't anymore. And um, Shimos just ran it, you know. Uh, he, you know, what's interesting is looking at Club 4AG where you guys had like different sections for different levels of experience. So you guys had, you know, basically your donut section, right? And then you had your cones for guys who actually can start going through the turns. And it's kind of interesting because um, we, I don't, I don't really remember having that too much. He would do a few lessons, uh, maybe with Steve Oliveros and some of those guys. But then other than that, they would kind of have free reign through the, through the course. 
So Shimokawa, you know, he ran things pretty legit in the sense that if you're going to come to drift session, you're going to drift at drift session. You're not, you know, he, he discouraged street drifting. But there was a ton of drifting here on the street. Uh, Tantless, of course, you know, is pretty famous in Hawaii. Everybody was on Tantless drifting. Um, I used to live below Tantless. And back in the day, like I wasn't into cars till I was like, I don't know, 23, 24, really, maybe. Uh, but as even when I was younger, I used to go party and club all night, whatever. And then I'd come home to my house um, below Tantless and I'd lie in the driveway because my house is super hot and the driveway is nice and cool after you've been partying all night. <laughs> and I hear everybody drifting on dark side Tantless. Yeah. You just hear all the screeching, all the revving of engines. Oh, it was kind of interesting. And meanwhile, Steve Oliveros guys were like drifting in Mokalea and a point side on the North Shore, you know. Yeah. But a lot of guys, there's still areas here where where guys have kind of learned and they, they go out here in different places and they rip it in areas where there's no residences, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that I think that's always going to happen when you don't have a, a legal place to do what you want to do. hundred right? percent, man. Drift session made a huge difference. And you think about the guys drifting street versus the guys drifting track, right? All the guys are drifting track. Those are the names we know. Those yes. are the guys that got exposure. Those are the guys that knew, really knew what they were doing. And some of those guys went on to compete in Formula D and other type of pro events, right? Yep. We, we don't really hear that too much about the street guys. Right. You know? um, when I think about Japan, I find it interesting because a lot of those guys get really serious. They do track drifting. They do street. And they do street to help prepare for the track but you know a lot of times growing up a lot of guys who are doing street weren't just weren't really into the whole idea of being on a track and I, unfortunately i think they lost out you know on yeah. that really good edge like that experience that education the 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 motivation that comes from being around people who drift at that level you know what i mean yeah yeah, definitely. I, you know, street drifting, I think um, when it comes to drifting, being a drifting enthusiast, that's always like a that's a hard thing to um, it's a hard thing to reason with yourself because it's it's so sick to watch. Right. And uh, yep. there's there is a um, there's a high that comes with it. But then on the other hand, you know, we're human beings with uh we care about each other and we don't want anyone to get hurt. And so, you yeah. know, it's just, it's, it's hard to, to reconcile that um, yeah. for me, at least. And I'm sure for a lot of people, um, but I think it's always going to be like that. I think it's like skateboarding, right? I mean, I'm sure there are people that skateboard at skate parks all the time, but you know, like there's just something about doing it where you're not supposed to do it. I don't know. You guys are so serious. <laughs> I'm going to lighten it up. Oh, I asked do it, the, do it. I asked the light hitting question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be as light yet dramatic as possible. Okay. Intriguing. Let's let's do okay. this. No, you know, um, you've seen a lot because you've seen drifting in Hawaii. You've seen it in Amer like the States and you've seen it in Japan, right? But going back to your, your time, you know, uh, documenting in Hawaii, tell me what was your most memorable moment um, that you captured or that you were a part of? It doesn't even have to be on group video. Just like what oh, kind of sticks with you still? You know what? Oh, hmm. man, dude. This makes me emotional. Uh-oh. 
I think what was super cool was um, bringing Komatsu from Signal Auto to drift against the guy or drift with and drift against the guys in Hawaii, man. Um, and I remember talking to Kosuke at Tokyo Auto Salon and talking to um, uh, Ken from Import Showoff uh, in Pasadena about it. And then talking to the guys at Hypersports about it, Travis guys and and Shimokawa, getting it all together. Eurosport chipped in and everybody, everybody chipped in and spent thousands of dollars to get Signal Auto down here. And just the look on everyone's face to be drifting all this time, but never to watch these videos, but never drift with their heroes and to have one of them come down here, drift alongside them to to compete, you know, just for fun, mm -hmm. to to help teach them like, ah, dude, um, we knew it was the start of something big, but we didn't realize how big that was going to be until we did our second event with Komatsu. Uh, it was just incredible, you know. I was talking to Dave Shimokawa and I was yep. asking him about that event. And I said, how did you guys, how did you guys get uh, Komatsu here or, you know, there to HRP? And he was thinking about it. He didn't quite remember, but he's like, I think Jason Ryan got, the, got him here. Oh. So what happened was I had talked to Kosuke about it. And Kosuke, him and I, I met him at Tokyo Asan. We we're talking for a bit. I'm like, yeah, man, we'd love to have you guys there. And Kosuke being Kosuke, he's such a good guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, it'd be great to do it. But I don't know if he realized I was dead serious. I don't know if I knew if I realized I was dead serious. I'm pretty sure I was like, this sounds great. Can I pull this off? I have no idea. Let's just throw it out there, dude. And then uh, when I saw Ken Yoshi, him and I were talking about it. And I, I told him my idea. And Ken's like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about that for a while. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, but Ken, Ken was like, yeah, let's make it happen. And, and you know, Ken, um, uh, aside from being one of the, the pioneers of car, the, the pioneer of import car shows, um, he would, you know, he was also the pioneer here. Import show off was really one of the first, if not the first car show that we had in Hawaii for import cars. Ken kind of helped build the whole scene here. So, um, I came back and Mike was working at Hypersports. We talked to Hypersports, talked to Eurosport. We put everybody together. Ken kind of helped front, um, kind of head, headed the whole thing and we got them down. So, you know, I, I talked to them, but I helped connect the dots. Um, but, you know, it, it's, I, I, it, it's really Ken, I think, that really just kind of had enough of the trust between the different organize the, the different businesses to get everybody to get together and make it happen. You know, especially with the fact that we brought him down during an import show off. Hypersports always runs the import show off with Kemioshi every year. So it was just like the perfect storm, man. Yeah. You know? Dave Shimos, he was just like, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. Let's do it. Like this is incredible. Right. So uh we were super stoked. Yeah. Well yeah. Thank you for that. Cause yes. Thank you for planting the seeds. Because I feel like that's how when business gets done is when you just plant those little like, wouldn't it be cool if, yeah. hey, wouldn't it be? Yeah. And, it, and it's always the perfect storm, right? You always need all the right pieces in one place at the right time. So, <clears throat> yeah. So who's your, who's your favorite drifter? <laughs> Sorry, Benson. Nadine. <laughs> All good. Thank you. But you're a really close second. You're a really thank close you. second. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I usually you am. Totally I, am I usually am next to her. It's baited. <laughs> I was baiting him. No, really, uh, though. You know really what? I, I, 
you know what? Um, uh, so my problem becomes I started looking at character as well, but drifting is character, right? Of course. Um, Mike and I both agree we really like Dark Izumita. Um, Nobu Kid I love a lot because he's just ridiculous and hokey. Um, I, I love people who just like straight have fun with it. Mm. Uh, on the Hawaii side, to be honest, I loved Ross Petty, man. Ross Petty was always fun when he drifted, and I loved his attitude about it. Yep. You know what I mean? Why was he fun when he drifted? You know what it is? I So, so I liked his drifting, but I honestly, honestly, I think it's because um, I knew his character and I knew like his, the smile he would have while he's drifting and like how crazy, like his whole, it's bolso and all that stuff. Like I, I could literally feel that happening in his thought process in the car as he was drifting. And for some reason I was always enamored to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. You were drawn. So I think it's time for my deep thought of the day. Oh, with Jack Handy. Yeah. With, with, Yeah. <laughs> um so i mean nadine normally does the heavy hitting questions but i know you jason after all these years i know Uh you're a very intellectual person you have Mm. you're very introspective and um you're very deep i feel you're very philosophical i feel oh and so as i was thinking about uh, and preparing for this interview with you I thought, like, what can I talk to Jason about that yeah. that would get that that philosophical side of him, the the introspective side of him? And so here it goes. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So you've traveled around the world to yeah. experience drifting for grip video and you know for whatever reason, um, and so you've got to witness how drifting is distinctly unique in different places of the world. Yeah. And I feel like drifting is distinctly unique in different places of the world because culture is different. And we yeah. like we may all be inspired by what we see in Japan. And so we kind of mimic it in where where we're at. And yeah. um so that makes it different. Our you know, American culture is different. Um or you know, I should say mainland culture might be different or even LA LA culture might be different from uh, New Jersey culture, right? So drifting is going to feel different. It's going to look different. There's going to be, uh, it's it's going to be kind of its own little sub subculture of drifting. I feel like, right? Yeah. And so yeah. when it comes to Hawaii, I really felt like it was distinctly unique from the west, the rest of the mainland. Um, and how did it make you feel? Okay, so. I mean, one obvious thing I'm is. I'm going to ask the question. Okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready <laughs> no, for, no, your, for my real. answer. How, yeah. how did it... No, I felt I felt yeah. it was different. I mean, visually it was different because car style. I felt like Hawaiian car style did the best at mimicking Japanese car style. Yeah. The way the cars appeared, the the you know wheels, paint, just the way the cars looked, right? Yeah. Um, so that was one obvious thing. Um, and driving was very aggressive. Like, I feel like uh, Hachiroku driving specifically, like, you guys understood it. You were very aggressive. Um, you knew how to make a slow car fast. Um, but those are the things that, that were apparent to me. But who cares what I think? I want to know what you think. Well, so I, I 
I'd like to know, as I, as you seek for an answer, and I ask, I respond with a question. Um, I'd like to know um, when you bring this up. How did you feel about? So this is how you feel about Hawaii driving yes. and, and Hachiroki drivers specifically. Um, you know, you guys were part of Club Four AG. Like, you know, um, how did you guys feel about that compared to Hawaii? Like. We were, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, complementing and contrast, right? Mm -hmm. So, style was different. There were some really cool Hachirokus, but I felt like there were way more cool Hachirokus on the island. Oh, shots fired. Not shots fired because I liked a lot of Hachirokus, <laughs> but it's just, it, there weren't as many. I felt like there were a lot of really good ones on, on Oahu, not yeah. as many on, um, on the mainland, right? No, um, no, no. Not many gangsta ones. Okay. Okay. On the mainland. That's what I say. However you want to say it. But um, there was that. And um, I don't know. At the Club 4AG events, there were always, it was always like a, a school style event, right? So we were yeah. always teaching people. And well, super, um, like super structured, not as freestyle as as Hawaii is. Yeah. For you, sure. you see, you watch a, you watch, um, a video from a drift session, right? Yep. And you guys are on the track like four or five cars at a time next to each other. <laughs> you never saw that a club at a club for AG event because we didn't we didn't run it that way. It was well, one guy on the track yeah. at one at a time. Yeah, well, well, we'd also get in trouble. So what I want to say about that too is more often than not, um, how often were you guys going through an actual like um track where you have like where you guys are going through actual turns you guys i mean you guys are going through turns but you guys more often than not using cones right yeah so that i mean more so you you got to think about safety right mm -hmm. um <clears throat> i think that having that whole raceway park every single month everybody got used to it so by the time you guys saw um how hawaii drifting was it looks balls to the walls because those guys are so used to that track they're so comfortable they know exactly how to push their cars. And Ooh. I think that's possibly the difference. Ooh. Now, here's the hard thing. The hard thing becomes you get so used to that one track. So what happens when the track changes? So for you guys, in some sense, there's some advantage, right? Yeah. Because you constantly change it. Kind of like SCCA, Gymkhana, stuff like that, yeah. right? Right. Oh, yeah. But for, for our guys, and I think they've always done well. I personally, I'm very proud of my of our guys. Um, I'm proud of you guys. I just love... Um, I just, I don't know. I just love the scene. But for our guys, the question then becomes what happens when they're on a different track? That's the right. hardship of it. Right. They're so used to all those turns month after month, one or two days out of the month. Um, what happens when they have a different track? Right. So, so, so Jason, you gave me a very like race car driver answer for that. But I, I wanted to know, but hey, I, you know, like. Which this, I'm not a race car driver no, no. at all. I don't know how that. Hey, you know? but. He wants you to go um, deep. Yeah, you, you race you cars. Didn't go deep. Come on. No, I, so, so this podcast series on Hawaii is, is about the drifting yep. in Hawaii. But I also want to take people behind the scenes and explain how Hawaiian culture is unique. Uh, the, the, uh, you have a lot of Asians there. Uh, you yep. have you know, um, native Hawaiians there and the culture is just different. And I wanted, it, it I wanted is. to, I wanted to ask you how you think that informed how drifting, uh, grew up in Hawaii. You know, it's interesting when you bring that up, 
um, just it's almost like it, it it it's a response to it, but it's also kind of a side point because it's not exactly talking about drifting. But um, growing up in Hawaii, thinking about the scene here with so many Asian people, Japanese, Chinese, you know, uh, Korean, Vietnamese, etc. Um, me growing up here, I did not go to the mainland till I was 24, till I joined the army. Or 20, yeah, around there, 23, 24. Um, to me, I thought we were so multicultured. But at the end of the day, which we are to a degree, at the end of the day, everybody is local culture. We're not really like, Japanese aren't really necessarily Japanese culture here. It's a very local Japanese culture. I felt when I would go to like LA and places like that, I go to um, into different communities that people there embraced that their their specific ethnic culture mm-hmm. a lot more. They kind of held on to it. It it was a sense of um, community in a place where maybe um, you didn't have as much of a, a melting pot as we had. But I think for us, it, it's more of that hodgepodge. Real like I feel it was more of a real melting pot where we thought we knew Japanese culture. We didn't know crap. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I go to Japan. I start using like um, Japanese words that I learned only to find out they're all local, made up local <laughs> Japanese words. You know? uh, but I do think that a lot of people here, you know, just like everyone else, are super proud of their heritage. And I think um, uh, cars were just a part of that. The idea that um, you can make a Japanese car super fun, look great, make it fast, um, have a great time with it, make it look cool so you look cool. Um, I, I definitely think that Japanese influence was super strong here and people just embraced it and sucked it up. And, yeah. Um, it was pretty awesome. Does that answer the question? I feel like I went off a tangent. Here. I mean, that it was totally, it was totally obvious to me. Um, drifting over there started in the early two thousands on the track. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but you guys already had the Japanese style down. And they're already and, drifting on talents and other places. Way yeah. But, that, right? but the cars, yeah. you know, you look at the cars and you're like, is that, hawaii or is it japan the only way i can tell is if there's a rainbow on the license plate right and fast forward (laughs) fast forward now right now i feel like people are are they're getting it now you see a lot of cars and and i'm not sure if they're from japan or somewhere else in the world right but it's taken some time i think for people to really nerd out and and catch on whereas the guys in hawaii they did it well yeah and then the flip side and then you see japan Copying American yeah. style, yeah. man. Yeah, wow. USDM. Yeah, it's like full circle. You know, circle. I, I, I kind of, I got out of a lot of the. I will always love cars, and I will especially always love you guys. You know, um, I love the fact that we still keep in touch. We still talk. We, you know, we still have that connection. Um, it's the same day. It's the same way with like RJ Devera and all those guys. It's amazing and. Ray Fong, uh, at the end of the day, for me, that's what really kind of blessed me for this whole experience. But um, I kind of, after my second tour in Iraq, um, I kind of got out of the culture. Um, There's a lot of things that kind of happen. So I, I really, I see a lot of things in Hawaii that's going on. I, I wonder how the culture is in the mainland because I haven't really kept up with mm-hmm. it. Um, in Hawaii, it's definitely... And I hope this is an indicator of what's happening in the mainland, but definitely there is a change with the loss of the Raceway Park, of course. Yeah. A lot of um, uh, performance shops closed down. Um, yeah. A lot less people are driving um, modified cars, I guess. Um, you're, you're, you are seeing there's still a, a big car culture here. It is kind of going the way of um, you know that heavy camber kind of look. Um, 
it, it definitely you don't see as much of that old school kind of like real cool Japanese kind of looking thing. And, and you know, um, maybe I'm just a little old fashioned, but I still love that look, you know? Yeah, um, we love it too. Yeah, for sure. Gangsta. You know, per- personal preference, you know, like, yeah. hey man, cars, cars are like, cars are like a canvas. It's all up to you. It's your expression of art, right? So um, I respect anyone who goes out there and, and wants to make something kind of interesting and have fun with it. For sure. You know what I mean? It, it's not just a canvas in terms of how do you modify it. It's a canvas in terms of how you use it, right? Um, personally, I still love that old school classic look. I love mm-hmm. like, you know, something with a, a nice kit, um, uh, not, you know, like really nice wheels and mm-hmm. not like just, just set up neons and Lambo doors and, um, <laughs> a basketball hoop that comes out of the trunk. I get you. I feel like you're calling me out because when I first got into cars, I wanted Lambo doors. <laughs> oh, man. No, but, um, um. I just, I love a car that just looks just classic, but is also highly functional. Yeah. You know, that's just still me. Yeah. I don't think that'll ever go out of style. No, it won't. You know, the the thing that remains consistent, though, is that Hawaii cars have style, whether it's a drift car, whether it's VIP, like whatever, the the car style's always good there, man. You know, so coming from an island type state, I think that uh, in the middle of the Pacific, kind of isolated, I think that we're very proud of our culture. If we do something, we want to put some pride into it. Yeah. And I'm not saying no one else does that, but I think sometimes people in Hawaii tend to take it a little extra mile because, you know, we feel being so isolated from everyone else that we need to kind of show, we need to kind of show off, you know, I, I think that's kind of a little bit of it, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for letting us kind of crash and, you know, put you on the spot to do our intro. Thanks for gracing our podcast with your presence. <laughs> guys, I love you guys, man. Love it's you too, awesome man. to talk. I always love to talk to you guys. I love the, the podcast. It's great to be on. Uh, looking forward to being on again. We can talk about uh, Crazy Nights in Japan, Yakuza and all yes. that stuff. I can't um, wait. It'll be yes. awesome. It's super fun. Super fun. You got but, uh, the story. I wish you guys the best. <laughs> and um, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, yeah. Same to you. Happy early birthday. And Jason, I want to say thank you for your service, man. Oh, thank you, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. All right, guys. Shoots. Shoots. Get it. <laughs>who do we have next on this wonderful hawaii tour okay so so this guy i i met um on the mainland of us uh while we were doing formula d oh so this guy i had to have him on because he was such a character and he had such charisma like his personality had so much charisma mm-hmm. but also on the track i mean he's done some cool stuff on the track that i just like i didn't know where that came from and so, um, and j- you know, I-, I always knew that he was, um, you know, one of the early guys in Hawaii to do drifting, um, but I didn't really know how far back that went. So, um, you know, talking to guys, trying to do my homework for for these episodes, you know, everyone referred to him as the OG. So, had to have him on, Steve-O, Steve Oliveros. Welcome to the show, man. 
Right on, bro. Nice to be on the show. Mahalo. Yeah, d- dude, it's been so long, and uh, apparently you're you're up to no good every day still, just like in the old days. So <laughs> it's it's good to see that uh, you have the same energy. <laughs> well, you know, some things don't change, right? People <laughs> often say to me, "When are you gonna act your age?" And I'm like, "I am. I've never <laughs> been. I've never been this age before." <laughs> Hey, so so um, so help us understand like when you got into drifting and how you found out about it. When you started, like, take us back to the beginning. So you know what is crazy is that I would see these kids, whatever, talk about it, and they would be looking at these comic books and and video games, and I'd be like, "You guys just burning, t- wasting tires. That's ridiculous." No, but that's because I came from a road course background. So I used to race SCCA. Okay. Um, in a Datsun 510. Nice. And uh, my 510 was infamous. And, you know, they have a saying in road course racing, because I, I wouldn't just race like autocross. It was like um, wheel to wheel and stuff, because we had our own track, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a saying with road racers, you know, sideways is slow. And, yep. you know, when you're scrubbing speed, that's what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, lo and behold, I was going to be <laughs> one of those guys going sideways soon, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Who would have thought? <laughs> hey, what did you, what did all your competitors think? Like the guys that were doing SCCA with you when you like went the other direction? When you went to <laughs> when the I dark went side for the other team? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I live in the darkness. <laughs> so it was crazy because what would happen is I would be mi- missing you know races, and I was a points champion. Mm. Um, I, in, uh, you know, I would miss races and these guys where were you so i was drifting last week and they're like i want to drift this right you know young, young punks and those, you know, those guys just make making noise at night up, up the road you know but you know i took a lot of my road course background and i put it into the drifting because you're setting up the car basically the same way but I had a little, I had a, like little secrets. You know, everybody has their own little tweaks that they do. Yeah. W- whatever race, you know, they're, they're kind of doing it. And with drifting, you know, when you using used tires that you go get from the dumpster yeah. at Goodyear, you know, we would show up with 24 tires mm-hmm. and roast them all because they were just <laughs> partially used. And yeah. we didn't have money for tires. And, you know, it was one of those where you, you just got what you got. Right. And so it's hard to set up the car because the tires are always changing, your car is always changing. Yeah. So, my, you know, road course cars, I made them to go really fast, straight. And in the early days of drifting at, at our track, because there was just a little bit of guys, they would integrate the road course guys and the drifting guys at the same time. So sometimes you'd see these Hondas blazing on the, on, you know, and we would be drifting too. And if they were guys were going slow, they just go around them. Yeah. Or and stuff until the following came much bigger and it was like had to separate. And then it got to the point where even the road course guys were just like, no, we're going to get a drift car too. And then it was separated at that point. Yeah. So it kind of transitioned re- really quick, you know, but I was doing both races. And, and then, you know, finally I was like, you know, I'm just, I got my off road trucks, I got my motorcycles, I got the jet skis, the boats. And I was just like, I got to get, start getting rid of stuff. And I was like, you know, I, I hardly rode course. And, you know, for, 50 seconds of excitement as compared to all day yeah. drifting. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of a no brainer. Right. What year was this? What year were you doing this? The, it was 2000, I want to say three. 
about theirs when we started to get real serious about mm -hmm. it. Um, mm -hmm. So I never even had a drift car. Guys would come to me and they're like, oh, I want you to, can you swap this motor for me? Can you do this? Can you do that? And, you know, I had all these other cars. So what I would do is I would set the car up like I was setting it up for me to race, okay. but then they would drive it. And then you know, they wouldn't do good. So they would, oh, something's wrong, this, that. And I said, you know, for me, air pressure is everything. Yep. So I, I helped them develop the right air pressure for whatever tires they had. And then, of course, those tires are gone. And now you got to start all over with the next set of junk mm -hmm. tires. So that was a challenge. So I would get in their car and actually um, see how the car would work because, you know, we didn't have a test area. The track was a test area. And so... Um, I just hammer on their car, and I'm like, bro, there's nothing wrong with the car. You can drive. <laughs> it's the driver, you not know? the car. Yeah, I'm like, the car is awesome, bro. And they'd be like, oh, how do you do that? So, you know, I was a driving instructor as well. So um, sometimes we would hold driving instruction classes for not just, you know, drifting, mm -hmm. but aside from that, uh, different, different kind of stuff. And so I was kind of used to having people in the car and, mm -hmm. and showing them what to do but and that's how we kind of advanced so you would have these up-and-comers but you know these these kids was good and but they just didn't have that edge but they didn't know why and then we would drive together and they would see what i did and i would see what they did and then yeah. they would use this technique and they'd get faster and faster and all of a sudden then they start getting to the level of they're, they're in class A competition with us. Now, no, we don't, they don't get to ride with us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And were you instructing for drift session? Y yeah. And yeah. Um, what we would also do is like, um, uh, you, you guys know uh, Earl, right? So mm -hmm. Earl used to rent the track. And so, because he was one of the OGs too, all the OGs would, would be like a private session. We go out there. And then, so we would have, you know, friends that could afford it to come out there and, and people that would be um, better to be driving with instead of wrecking and crashing and damaging stuff. Yeah. So we'd have our own sessions that we would rent the track out to and pay the money for the track. And so we would teach the ones that we wanted to. And then we would actually hold some classes, you know, in, in, informally, but it was a legit like yeah. instruction for these other young ones to come in. And what we had is like... I. It, I mean, you guys know what I mean when you have kind of a following, right? So you get all these young kids and they're like, oh, you know, he, he, you know, Steve, he does this, he does that. And they'd come over, you know, to my shop and hang out. You know, those ones, they just hang out. Yeah. They want to help. They want to be surrounded by They want to be know, part of it. Yeah, totally. And, you know, oh, they would drop little hints what they wanted to do to their car. And, you know, I know what it's like to have no money and have to you know scrape and do stuff so yeah. we make them guys work you know help us with this <laughs> help us with that clean up do whatever and then at the end of the day it's like hey open your hood and they're just like stoked and we we'll, like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> put in a new blow off valve or we'd yeah. fix you know wiring system or i'd be like dude your alignment is so off that's why you're spinning and you know little things like that Small and so we kind of have all these little you know groupies that would hang out with us at the track but it you know for us it, it was it's this never was about uh, I'm better than you or you go you know what um, you you um, you know are, are a junior you're not worthy of hanging out mm -hmm. with us it was yeah you know that kind of you didn't go punky, Hollywood Hollywood punky, on them mm -hmm. punky kind Holly attitude you yeah know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
anybody, if they needed help, you know, when we go through the track, I had a huge tent set up and we'd bring the compressor and the truck and the trailer tire changer. Nice. You guys, and don't charge them for change tires. And we'd bring extra tire. They needed, you know what, just go take those tires. Yeah. Next week, you better be at the shop helping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so that's nice. Awesome. You know, and, and somebody would break stuff. You know, even like when we organized sessions where the Japanese would come over, they break stuff. We'd have parts share with them. And, you know, that worked out for the better for me because the, 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 the favor was returned, you know, by the Japanese drivers when I needed help at yeah. other times, you know. So, yeah, it was good fun, man. Speaking of uh, the Japanese drivers that came over, can you tell us uh, what that experience was like? Like, uh, do you remember do you remember who came over and, and like, tell us about each time that a Japanese guy came over, what it was like for you to be there with them and... Like, did it change? Did it change things for you guys when that happened? It was a game changer, Ra. Let me tell you, when uh, Kosuke Kira-san yeah. from uh, from uh, um, Signal, Signal Auto. Auto came over, so his, you know, we we're in the office and everybody's like, "Oh, professional driver, first time Japanese, first time Japanese professional drifters come to." America, yes, because, you know, <laughs> the 50th state is America. Right. Um, you know, although you you may hear a different, you know, edition of that. They came to Hawaii yeah, first. Yeah, mm-hmm. Let them know the truth, when, man. When Kosuke came, his driver, Driver X, um, yeah. <laughs> came over and he would do the straightaway because our racetrack was integrated. The drag, drag strip was mm-hmm. integrated into the road course because that's how it's situated. Mm-hmm. And he would do a clutch kick in like fourth gear and just be sliding for a couple hundred yards into the hairpin. And all of us would be like, Nandayo! <laughs> <laughs> Blowing our minds. We're like, wait, what What just happened here? Yeah. That was just mental because everybody would be like doing chokudoris and bep, second gear. And he'd be like wide open. Yep. <laughs> it was insane. And so, uh, you know, Whenever you do something to the level and you get to this plateau, you're not going to get to that plateau unless you're pushed or you push it. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm I'm a person that I learn by doing and seeing and watching. Yeah. You don't, I don't need a classroom or a book. In fact, that's harder for me. Mm-hmm. So when I see something, I see it once it's done. I figure out ways to, to do it, you know, better or, or better myself yeah. at doing it. Yeah. And so that's what it took. And other people... One of the limitations was our cars because we didn't have, back then it was hard to get parts and the parts were still expensive. Now you can right. go on eBay and buy a manifold for 70 bucks when right. it was like 800 back then, you know? Yeah. So it, it, that made it hard. So the the ones that had money or, you know, or spoiled, <laughs> who had parents who had money, <laughs> would have better cars. But still, the driver factor was, yes. was, was an element. And I was sure that I could beat the expensive cars just by driving skill with my mediocre car, you know. Yeah. So I'd push the limit with a with a with a car, and know that I got the foundation to get it done. But I didn't get to that spot until the Japanese came over, and and you know, Kosuke is a really awesome, awesome guy, you know, and. Uh, you know, I'm just going to fast forward a little bit. So when I was doing exhibition stuff at like the Nopi Nationals, mm-hmm. um, he was there. And, you know, him and his crew and 
I'd go see him in a BFG, you know, booth, and he'd be like, what are you doing here, you know? And I'm like, we're over here. And he's like, no, because we met years before. Yeah. And now we're doing stuff professionally and doing all this exhibition. So he'd come over and watch me drive, and we just, we have a good time, you know? And so that was that was really awesome. It started a relationship that spans for years, mm-hmm. you know? I love it. And, you know, when we're talking about um, Japan, who was your favorite driver back then or, you know, of, of the guys because you guys got so many Japanese drivers that came you to guys you. are really yeah. spoiled what's up yeah. so out of all of the millions that came not millions but you know all the ones that came yeah. who's your who's your favorite or maybe a hero for you so um I I <laughs> I have never been the kind of person that idolize other people or sports figures oh you know oh you seen that play they did or this I've you know, I, I don't want to say that, you know, I, again, I, I just, I don't want to sound like conceited or, or whatever, but I don't, I don't em, uh, try to emulate other people, but mm-hmm. I admire their skill set and what they've accomplished and what they bring to the table, yeah. you know, but I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go and wear yeah. a shirt with their face on it or, you know, I just, yeah. I don't, I, it's like idolizing someone. I, I just, that to me, that's kind of, it's kind of childish um, in, in a way, but. You know, when you're young, that's the kind of stuff you do. But at the time, I was like way older than these guys, and you know, I just want to be better and I mm-hmm. want to learn. the The problem, <laughs> I've been out of the game for so long, and I've had so much other stuff happen in between. Then, um, not to mention the um, little bit the head trauma, and I have um, hard time remembering certain names and yeah. certain specifics about certain events. So when you ask me stuff, I'm kind of like. <laughs> Like I can't remember at all, even if I tried. So even if we pause and I try to remember, <laughs> so some of the names is um very uh, when this non-existent in my memory right now because it's yeah. like I said I've been out of the game. I haven't been living that life for a long mm-hmm. time. I know. So the ones that I remember, um, Ueo went there. Yeah. Uh, the Signal Twins went there. Yeah. Um, Kumakubo, did he uh, come? and yeah, um, he, he is a really nice guy too. He yeah, is super so nice. nice. Super nice. Who's the guy with the with the Hachiroku Turbo Hachiroku? Oh, Maeda Ken. Maeda, he was that guy. It was so good fun to hang out with him because he's so humble and he's so funny and good yeah. fun. And how we got associated was he was you know he had his he had a. a, a k26 turbo in his i had a k26 turbo in my um my sylvia but i, I was running a ca18 i got oh, a wow. six, six setups ca18 <laughs> no one had it and i didn't want to yeah. be like everybody else yeah. but ca18s don't have rocker rocker arms that break you know you right. can scream them but you know you gotta you gotta make a lot of power so anyway um we were at um we, he came to home came to hawaii and then he was looking at my motor and he was like i have that you know in japanese he was saying he has the same um turbo and then i'm like yeah but it has no bottom end and and he was like i put nitrous and i'm like look and i have nitrous in mine so he and i has the same setup yeah and so when we went (laughs) when i was in at formula at at, uh, not formula d at uh um d1 d1 he was there and 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 i you know i would travel with um uh, um, grip video all the time so we're always backstage and you, you know us we, we'd always because we're the OGs we got to go backstage yeah. all the time always. right yeah. we had the hookups right so I go and I go meet with him and, and he's like yeah hey, how's it going you know and then I said open your hood open your hood so he goes and, I, and I'm like 
K26. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in Japanese, I'm like, you copying me. He's yeah. like, no, you copying me. You know, it's funny. <laughs> so it, it was funny. And he's, a, you know, he's one of those guys that was really um, good to talk with. And, and, and Kumukubo, they, they're just like, they're just out there. The, the thing was, they was just screwing around having fun. Mm-hmm. And they were just absolute hammers. And, we're, and, and guys were like, how do you guys do that stuff that you do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us, it was just like, uh, we know how they do that. You just yeah. got to commit. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about um, the culture in Hawaii. Because you, yeah. you're you one of the few that, um, you know, you were doing a lot of drifting in, in Hawaii. You grew up in Hawaii. And then you got to experience the mainland, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you got to experience drifting in Hawaii, drifting in on the mainland. Um, what were some of the differences that you noticed between the two, like culturally-wise? Well, you know our culture, everything is, um, how should I say, um, plenty aloha. Mm. It's not so much competition. It's more yeah. of real ohana, real family. That So if... This guy crashes, we're all over there helping him because we want to see him race. Yeah. You know, I'd go to the track with my tow truck. There's a big flatbed and then it had the lift on the back. You know, somebody would crash. I would get out of my car, take it and go get their car and bring it back to the pit so they could work on it. I'd have control arms and stuff. I'm like, dude, you guys grab the stuff, the tools are, I'm going back on the track, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and there was times that, there was a time that uh, we were in competition and me and Barry, um, got together and he, he was counter steered and it um, bent his tie rod and it kind of hurt his rack and pinion. So he ended up having to abort the points championship race because we, we touched. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I let him drive my car because wow. it was, um, it was a uh, points, you know, it was, yeah. uh, we, we, we were in a contention. Three of us were in contention for parts, me, Shige and Barry. And, um, you know, me and Barry were racing on the main line and and ross and so we were every chance we got to get back to drift session we're trying to beat each other with points because yeah. we we're like you know somebody who, who who's coming going to get the advantage and, yeah. and we we're on neck and neck and so i let him drive my car in a competition but he had he's a different type of tune in his car yeah. and he had a different driving style so yeah. he stalled my car and and bobbled and he didn't uh you know didn't advance but i let him take my car and you know, when the drift session was um, announcing that and narrating the videos that went out, they actually said how gracious it was for me to loan in my car mm. and that you would never see that anywhere else. Yeah. And when the Japanese guys came, they they would say, and, and you see it, you watch Japanese videos, these guys flip over, smash, they all look and they're like, oh, sucks to be him. All of yeah. us go out there and we go and yeah. help. I actually rescued a guy's car from burning to the ground. I risked my life. Yeah. I jumped into a burning car to save the guy's car, um, risk my life so that his car wouldn't burn to the ground. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I used to fight fire, so I'm kind of a little bit fearless that way. And uh, my brothers are right there to help too. Whereas other people would have just like let the thing burn. No one yeah. stepped up to the plate. I jumped in. I jumped head first through the window yeah. in a burning car. You're crazy. Because I knew, my gosh. I knew that that was, and then the bushes was on fire. Yeah. And, you know, as I'm doing this, my brother is hooking a toe strap just to the rim just to pull it because there's no ways to pull it and pulled it out of the bushes yeah. before it got on fire. And, you know, fire department came, but I had the fire in the car control. They had to put the bushes out. Yeah. Whereas you go to the mainland and somebody crashes or breaks and they're like, yes, the eliminate, eliminating mm. of, of the competition. Yeah. It's, it's, um, 
it's not just like that um, in racing. It's like that everywhere in in the continental United States. No more the Aloha spirit. Yeah, people yeah. are all out for themselves. Yeah, and it's not totally correct but you know what i'm saying yeah. Yeah. generally speaking culturally we're going to help each other because we want to see each other succeed and 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 advance i don't want to win by default right. i want you know if you can if if you go and you take my car and crash it we both gonna be out but you know what who you think gonna get more respect the right. guy that went help or the guy that just said yeah for you yeah you know and that's that's what it's about you know i mean so I, I actually have a I have a, another story to to piggyback on top of what you're saying. Um, mm. I was talking to Dave Shimokawa, mm. and he was telling me, um, you know, one of like towards the end, uh, right before HRP closed, uh, Drift Tengoku came to the track, and they mm-hmm. they wrote articles and or they were they came to write an article, take photos and stuff. Were you there? Yeah. So so Dave I was, actually be, I actually been in you know the Japanese magazines too, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Of course, me. you have. <laughs> it's kind of it was kind of cool to see see myself in there. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, so he was telling me about uh, there was a crash at that event and someone flipped their car, mm. and um, and the car flipped and the event stopped and everybody, yeah. the drivers, the the people spectating. Um, I don't know if there were judges, but you know, everyone rushed over to the car to help the driver out. Mm. And yeah. uh, Dave told me that the the Drift Tengoku guys were talking to him about it afterwards, and they were blown away by it because yeah. they're saying just like you were saying in Japan when someone does when someone flips the car, you know, they laugh or you know, like it's just another thing that happens, right? But yeah. over in Hawaii, they're like, we we can tell that it's different here. The the way you guys care for each other is unlike anything we've seen. I um I have to backpedal. I wasn't at that event, but um uh that was my brother that flipped. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what happened? what do you remember about that? So um Hawaii Raceway Park is kind of a old bus up track and they don't really care for it too much. So the mm-hmm. tire barrier that's in the sweeper, the tires aren't like, you know, they, they stack. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were just thrown. So they're more like a ramp. Yeah. And my brother mm-hmm. had just swapped out tires. Um, Cause it's like at the end of the day and he's like, I just going to finish some up. And so the tires were cold, they were junk and they were, crappy tires they weren't the good stuff and uh he was r- driving his threshold where he drives and the car just went too wide and caught the back end and when the you know your counter steered you catch the back end and the front whips yep guess guess where you're going you know he just went straight up that ramp and it, it just flipped him over and he landed on the roof oh my gosh. but he landed on his side not the passenger side so it kind of crushed his spine a little bit so he got he, he till today he um it's back pain from it. He didn't mm. get severely hurt, um, but his good friend was in a passenger seat, and he's real tall, and it went like this where he was, so he didn't get smashed. Yeah. But I had literally just painted the car um, before I left for Formula D, so his car had every single perfect body panel, brand spanking new motor, um, and the the next week when I came back, we were gonna put the build a cage for it. Oh, geez, next week. And and there was not one body panel on that car that wasn't scratched. Yeah. Mm. 
Wow. And he kicked the windshield out and drove it home. <laughs> Is that Hawaii Put glasses style too? on <laughs> and drove it home. <laughs> we didn't have a tow truck at that time, so yeah. he drove it home, you know. Well, I'm glad your brother is okay and yeah, he's water fine. under the bridge. Now it's yeah. just kind of a crazy story. So Yeah, it was, you know, we all had our fair shares of crashing. If you don't crash, you're not pushing it. No. Yeah. So if you're not yeah. pushing it, you're basically sitting on the porch with the little dogs. <laughs> so, okay, Sivo. So I, I, heard, I heard about a story and I was supposed to ask you about this. Can you tell us about some activities that you may or may not have done in the pineapple fields. So it's a, it's a, it's actually not that exciting actually, but we would, there was a, right in behind the, the Hali town, um, there was a gate and the gates are to locked, lock the um, access to the upper fields. So people wouldn't trespass and people used to call it Steve-O's spot. <laughs> you know, but it went into the pineapple fields in a cane, you know, cane field, pineapple field area. So where my shop was, you just drive right past and we go down this side road behind the city. And um, it goes under the overpass as the overpass goes right over this road. And it was a big, fat, long Y. And so whenever we get done testing cars or, or building them, we want to go test, make sure, you know, the boost levels, right? No pipes start blowing off, suspension settings. We go up there. And, you know, the cops would show up. So somebody's like at the restaurant, they hear rubber and burning rubber. They think, you know, somebody crashing. And that's how everybody always thinks. So cops would come and all of a sudden they'd show up and we're like, hey, you know, I mean, we had a tow yard and the cops were always there because at the front of our property was the gas station and next to it was 7-Eleven. So we knew all the cops and the cops, we tow cars because, you know, they get into accidents. And so they knew who we were. So they'd show up and they'd be like, oh, that's you. And I'm like, what you mean? <laughs> They're like, that's you. And I said, I just sitting here. You you just pulled up. I just sitting here. They're like, yeah, right. And I'm like, no, we're just kidding. <laughs> then, then you hear over the radio. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're here with them now. You know, like, oh, do it. And you hear, oh, do you need backups? No, we got the situation handled. And then they would, they would be like, are you guys done yet? And we're like, yeah, I guess so. We're just going <laughs> to. Be here a few minutes. He goes, few minutes. I said, no, no, few minutes. I said, okay. So, you know, my mother buddy would come because I worked on his Volkswagen before. I said, hey, when do you guys switch shifts? And he would be like, oh, between this time and that time. I go, so you guys would be not in this area. I said, okay. So we would plan during their shift switches, you know, it was like a two-hour window. Okay, we got to test in tune today. And we'd go out there and we'd close the gate so people wouldn't just drive up, you know. Right. Uh, and then we'd get away with it because by the time, you know, we, we're not sitting there for two hours. We just do a few samples and drive back. And then sometimes the cops would show up and they were like, where are you drifting over there? I, said, uh, I was just test driving the car, making sure the, the boost controller was right. My friend's like, mm -hmm. next time, call me. I want to watch. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're going to be out there this afternoon. He said, what time? I said, um. Before your your shift change, he starts laughing. I said, "Okay." So he, I, I call him up. I'm like, hey, "We're gonna go. Um, we're gonna go um, test the car." And which is great because he'd show up and, you know, we didn't we wouldn't have any issues. We never got in trouble because it's on private land, and anybody calling was just calling because of a noise complaint, and we were in the bushes, you know, with nice asphalt, so we could, 
have a you know really good test session <laughs> and he was sitting in the middle of the y which made it interesting because instead of trying to cut the corner we're cutting his car now just off the bumper on his car and it's so funny because i tell the, the young boys like what the cops are coming and i'm like you guys no one video you understand me yeah i don't want none of this video on the internet and we're gonna get in trouble and get him in trouble is that understood everybody's oh okay no videos I said, you guys get videos. I'll punch your face. No videos. <laughs> for real. And so he'd come out there. And it's so funny because he's never seen us do it. And I let him have it one day. And I just, and it's funny because he goes and he's act like he's drawing his weapon at me and pointing at me as <laughs> oh I go by. You know, oh and I'm God. trying, I'm trying to like clip his hand with the front bumper because <laughs> he's pointing and he's like, you, you this, you F that, you're nuts. And blah, 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 cracking up laughing. <laughs> and he was like, but man, that is awesome. How do you do that? I'm like, jump in. And he's like, I better not because I'm in uniform. You know? <laughs> you know? But yeah, they, everybody call it Steve spot. And I'm like, what do you guys talk about Steve spot? These guys would come do their midnight runs and come bomb my spot in the middle of the night. And that once guys come in and start bombing your spot, then the cops get involved and then, yep. oh, then it's trouble. So, you know, I, I talk to the young boys because we do this um, drifting down at Barber's Point on some hidden spots. And I go down there. Hey, you guys going Haliva? Yeah. Stay away from my spot. The cops telling me. And they're like, oh, OK. I said, just stay up the road. I said, oh, OK, OK. So <laughs> I could still use my spot. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was a secret underground spot that everybody could watch from the overpass. That yeah. was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. nice. One times, one times they called the, the, the fire department because we were roasting it so bad that the smoke was that the, there wasn't a lot of wind that day, and we were just doing some mental drifting and it was real smoky because I was using the Falcons and um, <laughs> they called the, the fire department and they show up and we're just sitting there acting like nothing's happening like because mm-hmm. we we know we heard the sirens we were like well let's just act like we're not doing anything and then they come up and you guys do you guys see something burning we're like my tires no not at all (laughs) (laughs) they're like huh no we just got here the car is overheating so we figure we stop out of the way (laughs) you know it's fun awesome it's a good story all right that was good that was great i love it thank you so so much we're getting close to the end um i wanted to see i want to ask you steve-o is there anything any stories that you want to share that that you haven't talked about yet um there there's i don't know but you know you I'm sure there's a sharing, lot you start sharing stories and you sound like you're just talking about yourself you know and yeah I, you know, I don't like talking about that's myself okay. too much that's okay <laughs> as much fun as i had and as much experience as i gained and as much friends like genuine friends that i gained i i, I don't look back with any regrets because you know there's 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 a thing about making um good acquaintances that are genuine mm-hmm. you know we're gonna find peel out people wherever you look you don't gotta look far but to find real friends that's 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 a that's a pretty good that's a pretty hard thing to do and you know drifting brought a lot of us together till till yeah. today till today you know we still stay in touch with the people that we stayed in touch with back yeah. then you know ernie ernie yeah my homie ernie <laughs> yes. okay he he comes to hawaii yeah and i got a really if I can relate this awesome story I have just recently. <laughs> so I'm over on a big island and um, I, I was I was going hunting and he calls me up 
randomly out of the blue i'm in hawaii i'm working on this this jet over here that has some damage blah 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 and i'm like where are you he's like i'm in kona i'm like bro i'm on the big <laughs> island he's like what i'm like no way so i jump in my truck and i blitz it over there to go see him and we're like bro because the last time he came him and his wife came i was living on oahu and i took him diving and his mom came and yeah. i took his mom way in the deep and we caught some fish <laughs> and it was just great and we got all this awesome you know video and stuff and and whatnot and so we haven't seen each other for a while you know and, and i know he's him and his wife went through some she went through some health issues mm-hmm. and stuff so it's like we always stay in touch and so um i met him and we went out and had some um lunch and then when we go to leave go to go to the water my truck dies oh and, and it's it's something is wrong with it and i i i pretty much <laughs> At the end of it all, I was like, no, you guys go to the beach. I'm just going to go deal with this. You guys shouldn't be doing this. But I'll tell you how much of a good brother um, Ernie is. He stuck with me until the tow truck came, Aww. which he used his AAA. Nice. To, and that's the first time I've used a tow truck in 10 years <laughs> <laughs> to tow it back to my friend's house. And yeah. I just, I pretty much left the truck at my friend's. I'll go fix it later. Yeah. You know, Aww. and then that was what we got. We got to like, you know. Although we didn't get to jump in the water and go have fun, we got to hang out and yeah. try and fix a truck together yeah. like old times. <laughs> just yeah, like yeah, old times. Yeah, just like old times. <laughs> Some things never change, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. We're still doing that stuff. Yeah. You know, so you know without, without drifting, I wouldn't have met all of you guys over on, in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's just no other way. I can't think of any other way I would have met all of you guys. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Steve-O. I'm so glad to like, connect back again with you it's been yeah how long has it been oh let's let's, let's not, think let's not let's count. think about how it's <laughs> let's not been do the math. oh come on oh, it's, it's been, been well formula d was 2004 see. so that's 18 years Eighteen. so years. the last time i saw you guys was probably the last year i did formula d 2006 2007 yeah you stuck with it for a while yeah it was yeah Around there, so but you know, from the grassroots time, mm-hmm. I remember you organizing the girls yeah. stuff going together. Yeah, yeah. What was that? We're what still is that, um, drifting pretty. We're still together. So nice. Yeah, nice. it's been. What is that? What is what is um that one Wahini that you know you, you guys friends? She came over here with Rico. Yeah. Rico. Yes. She's so she's, she's so, so fun. good fun. She's so yes. cool. You know, her and her husband, they they just. They're just solid. There's good fun. Whenever I can't they come, believe, we all hang out together. I can't believe we got her car over to, you know, HRP. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. I was yeah, so, it was so much fun. I was yeah. so stoked to see them. <laughs> Steve, well, I want to close out this interview by asking a question that I'm going to ask um, all of my Hawaii guests. Um, uh-oh. No, it's not mm-hmm. an uh-oh. It's, it's a good one. Um, yeah. For all of the p- listeners that are out there that are listening about Hawaii drifting for the first time, um, what do you want them to know about drifting in Hawaii? I think that we need to set the record straight about something. And oh. As the 50th state, <laughs> you know, the grassroots of drifting in America started here in Hawaii. The first professional Japanese drifters to come to America was in Hawaii. They even brought their cars, multiple cars, multiple times yeah. to Hawaii. You so got that right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to just make sure that people know that. Yeah. But 
I don't want it to be something where it's like people think, what, so you think you're better than us? Because that's not the point no. at all. Because that was no, what... no one's going to think that you're saying that because, because all of you guys from Hawaii that I know, you're all humble. And you like a lot of this history has been forgotten. And you guys have been yeah. okay with that. You just, you, you keep doing what you're doing. And you're not, you know, you're not out there like telling everyone they're wrong, you know? Yeah. So that's why we're doing this podcast. That's awesome. You know, and I commend you guys for doing that too, because it's a, it's kind of nice to connect with a little bit of this, yeah. these memories that I have now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of makes me feel old. Same. <laughs> we've, we've been feeling old, so I know when how I, you when, feel. When, <laughs> when your kids are done college, it makes you feel yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know about that one. So, all good. But you know what? You look good, and we, we look the same, and it's like we never, you know, it's been a minute. That's all. Yeah. Just a few minutes. Two minutes. Two yeah, minutes. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> all right, Steve-O. Uh, hey, thanks for, thanks for taking the time out. I know you were under your car when, when I called you, and <laughs> you rushed over. You skipped lunch, all of that stuff, and, you, you know, you're borrowing your friend's laptop and, and all that. So, oh hey, thank you for taking the time out and doing this with us. Oh, bro, automatic. I, I, I really look forward to it because not only, you know, um, connecting with you guys, but just being able to talk about it kind of make it's there's never a dull moment when I talk about drifting. I always yep. get chicken skin and I always mm -hmm. miss it. I, I miss it till today. If we could still do it, I you can be, you know, I got a lot more money now. I would have, I'd be doing it all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that's what you say, but I know you got things to do. <laughs> just like I us. Would I would change those things real fast. <laughs> those things I have to replace what I, uh, I got to compensate. <laughs> Very good. All right, man. Um, so, hey, uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend and um, hope to talk to you soon. Guarantee. Mahalo, yeah. you guys. Thank Love you, seeing Steven. you guys again. It's so yep. good to see you. Aloha. Aloha. This two-episode-long Hawaii episode series is sponsored by Information. Information was founded in 2002 as a surf, skate, apparel brand in Hawaii. If you're not familiar, they're best known in our community for the hats and tees with the HI in cursive on it. Big thank you to Information for working with us on these episodes. It's always been a dream of us to be able to work with you. We've been a longtime supporter of your brand, and we're just super excited to rock your merch here on the podcast. A few days after we release this episode, we'll be giving away information apparel on our infamous IG giveaway. So look for that on our IG. You can scope out information's apparel by visiting their site at information.co. That's I-N-4, that's the number four, Mation, M-A-T-I-O-N dot C-O. And you can find them on Instagram at I-N, the number four, Mation, M-A-T-I-O-N, and underscore. That's at information underscore. Now let's get back to the grilling. Buns. I'm excited to see who's our next guest. So tell me who our next guest is, why they're on the show, and what you love, love, love about them. Okay. Well, this guy is one of the earliest to do it. Um, he had a really, really nice Corolla. It was a silver coupe slammed 
always looked good. He always had some really nice 15s on him, uh, you know, all the way around, always like great condition looking wheels. And he had really good driving style. Um, and some of our guests have even credited him for teaching them how to drift. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So what my favorite or what I love, love, love about him I don't know. Uh, you know, he's kind of like a whole package for me. His car looked oh. good. His driving was good. He had a good personality, and you know, from what I could tell on the videos and stuff. So, is he a ten? Yeah, he's a ten. He's a ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> so with that, I want to welcome Stanford Lau to the podcast. What's hey. up, Stanford? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's Stanford. going on? So, hey, where are you right now? You're not in Oahu. No, I'm in uh, Japan now. I live in Yokosuka. I just moved from Nagasaki to this area, like Kanagawa area. Okay. Um, I wanted to be closer to my brother, and they live in another part, like close by. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just moved over here. Very cool. To, wow, you, you know, fancy. Just be with my brother. Nice. Wow. I want to have a sibling in Tokyo and Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. Um, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. So <laughs> I think the last time I saw you guys was... You came out bro. for like a Formula D event, I think, right? I don't even know if it was a Formula D back that time. I just remember we went over there in Vegas and then we got to meet like all the famous people oh. like you guys and like all the famous <laughs> drifters like I think Sima? Dai I remember meeting Dai Yoshihara at that mm -hmm. time he was super nice and and uh, I think Fife was like taking us around kind of showing us got like, it the, oh, how all nice. the things right and I remember we were leaving the track and I think you two guys were on the side of the road maybe fixing something and we came by and we're like, hey do you need help or something oh. and I was like oh that's Benson I was like holy cow <laughs> That's still 80 know. media. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We had some crazy experiences yeah. trailering cars from to Vegas. So it's probably oh, what I that see, was. I <laughs> yeah, I got a bad memory, man. But then I remember seeing you and and, and then you're like, what's up? And kind of like we almost kind of knew each other, but yeah. we didn't know each other. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Def I definitely knew who you were for sure. Yeah, I was I was like thinking, man, he's super cool. He kind of he kind of knows me and I. I've obviously know you guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, back then, what, only had like Sil80 Mania, Club 4AG, and mm. like Slide Squad. Yeah. 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 So it was like, we didn't have many things. There, <laughs> there so was, yeah, there wasn't. On the computer, I was really <laughs> like waiting for your updates. Oh, this is like all the JDM stuff in Valley. Yeah. Hey, but were you on our website when it was on GeoCities? <laughs> Probably. I mean, I, was, you, I mean... There was not much back there, then. There so was any nothing, any yeah. tidbit I could get about like JDM life. Same here, man. And you guys you guys had it so early on, you know, I was following you guys religiously. Oh. Yeah. Stalking. Yeah. I don't know. He was stalking I was man stalking. crushing. I was like, stalking. That's what I'm learning. Sure. I'm I'm kind of like sensing this vibe right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's go all the way back to the early nineties, right? So, okay. Because Justin Kikawa <laughs> said that uh, you were the best drifter that he knew of oh. when he when he first got into drifting, oh. and and this was before drift session. This is back when you guys were you know the only way to do it was on the street, right? So can you oh. tell us how how did you find out about drifting? Well, 
Oh, bro. It's like, you know, when you're 15, 16 years old, you know, we get our license, right? Like us Americans get our license. <laughs> so at that point in time, I'm already like thinking about what the hell kind of car I got to get, right? I'm in high school. I want a car. And then, you know, back in the, I was sophomore. So it was like 91, right? Just trying to figure out the car. And back then, you know, it wasn't like Honda or Nissan. It was more like Scirocco's and, yeah. you know, just like all kinds of stuff, right? So basically, yeah, I was in the process of trying to choose the car, which was going to be a Scirocco or a Accord hatchback, you know, the kind of the sharper <laughs> yeah, yeah. looking one. Yeah. And, you know, you want sounds and you want to drop it. And Yeah. Ooh. But then my friend, this guy, he was a new, uh, new kid in school, but he uh he's older than me one year older than me my friend Jin and he actually came from Roosevelt where just Lance Subota and uh Brandon Hiroshige they're from that side right so he knew them and he <laughs> he convinced me to go get a Corolla GTS and then I was like oh okay uh Corolla GTS he was deciding was thinking, your fate I was, yeah I was thinking <laughs> uh you know, my, I, you know, I didn't know about cars. So I was like thinking, oh yeah, that gotta be that, you know, the 89 one, right? It's sharp. It's yeah. like cool looking. And then when he showed no. it to me on the side of the road, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, that car? You're like, oh, I'm that like, old thing? Yeah. I was like, that's kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> but then he's like, no, no, it's good. It's awesome. You know, and I, I'm, I'm sure he was getting it from the Roosevelt side, right? Mm-hmm. All the guys with the Toyotas and all yeah. souped up cars. So, yeah, obviously they knew more about, you know, cars and what's cool and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember one time, like, it wasn't, the one he showed me wasn't souped up, right? So, mm. basically, I think we went out one night and we were, like, at Taco Bell. And, like, these three GTSs rolled on by with, like, cage and everything. And I was like, oh, those are bad, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and they are like, um... I think those guys were like the OG dudes, like mm. OG uh, guys from Okinawa. So they had all the cool parts. You know? Oh, they could just... interesting. Yeah. So those OG dudes kind of influenced me. And of course, with Jin and all the Roosevelt guys too, that, yeah, that's the cool car. So, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I want that car. And then, you know, obviously, uh, Jin and then they kind of showed me J-Wave and then we'd go and grab the option videos so So jayway's your your video store there yeah well it was like a video store for like just japanese stuff oh okay so he would show me okay show me like the car and like wow it's like sliding everywhere it's so cool and it sounds nuts yeah because they all had like mikunis and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so i was like yeah okay that's the car i want to (laughs) get so I got that car. I mean, I wanted it, but I never had money to get it. So basically, I bought it in 94 after I graduated high school. So I guess, you know, I bought it. I wanted to drift, you know, because I saw those videos that they kept on showing me. But I didn't know how the hell they were sliding around, right? Yeah. We're just, how do you do it? Oh, you just press the gas. Okay. <laughs> so... The first time I tried to drift that thing in 94, I was like, you know, from a dead stop. And yeah. I wanted to take a left turn by my house. <laughs> yeah. So the car just, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, it's sliding, you know, cool, cool. And then, you know, back then I didn't know how to drift, obviously, right? 
so how do you say it? you know the kickback yeah yeah so you're like holding it too long and it yeah, yeah. it yeah, just yeah. goes the other back. way yeah yeah it snapped back <laughs> and i was like oh what is this and then i went like careening into a neighbor's house Ooh. and i knocked out their <laughs> knocked out their wall wow <laughs> yeah and they knew you too i'm sure because you're like right uh, by your actually house. that yeah that was my friend's grandpa's house oh, we damn. used to skateboard a lot so oh, i used busted. to always go over there and you know get uh my friend would bring out like uh, these aloha made or you know like uh, juice like passion orange mm-hmm. yes so i knew the house and i broke it <laughs> <laughs> Busted. With my first GTS, it yeah. was like low low miles and everything. Wow. And I was just like, oh man, it looked it was pretty screwed up. It was like uh a, a little bit of the rocker got beat mm-hmm. and uh obviously the door was kind of smashed in. Yeah. But no frame, not really frame damage, I guess. It's just like the rocker got kinked and uh but you know, as a kid. I thought that was like the end of my life. Right? Yeah. Yeah, For man. Sure. Oh my God, it's ruined. The yeah. car is ruined. Worst thing that ever happened <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, the worst thing. So <laughs> I ended up just, you know, wanting to sell it. I didn't like the look of it. You know, it was crushed. I mean, for me, it was crushed. Yeah. Mm. So I immediately sold it. And at that time, everybody wanted a GTS for some reason, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, people probably were talking about it or something. And then I sold it to this one kid came up to look at it. And then that's the first time I met Fife because he took the kid oh. and Pfeiffer came to check out the car mm-hmm. for, for the young, the young, younger kid. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he, he, he already knew how I smashed. The he car. knew what you did. You know, he could, he could understand. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, you did this. And then it went like that. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, I guess that was, like, the first time I ever met somebody that actually, you know, knew how to drift, right? Okay. But, yeah, and that was that was when I met Fife that one time. So you met Alex, who was the first guy that you ever met that also knew how to drift? That, yeah, he... Not also. I didn't see him drift before. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see him, but I heard about him. And okay. I, uh, and I met him and, you know, just from talking to him, I, I would figure, I mean, I didn't know anything about right. drifting, so I was just like, oh. Did he end up helping and, you learn? No, I think after that, after that time I hit the car, you know, I kind of was afraid of getting any rear-wheel drive car. Yeah. And so I, I think for our longest time, I didn't. I didn't uh, get another GTS. Like, so you I were kind of traumatized. I was traumatized. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I think I got like an 80 SR5, uh, you know, the hatchback, mm-hmm. the 80 SR5 hatchback. And it had like a 2TG in that thing and like 40s. But yeah, I, was, I didn't want to drift. And I tried drifting that one, but yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing. So. Yeah. In any case, <laughs> yeah, for the longest time, I didn't. I didn't drift until okay. probably one night I was at, you know, I was still hanging around with Jin and he knows Brandon and all uh, Justin and all of them. Right. Yeah. So in this place called Manoa Valley, we would visit, you know, cause us young kids, we got no money. We don't do nothing but hang out at people's places and talk story. Right. Yeah. Hang out in front of seven 11, hang out at a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> just like talking what we, gonna do i don't know what we're gonna do i don't know we're gonna play video games right <laughs> whatever yeah. right yeah. yeah so uh yeah one night 
we were at uh, 70, I think it was 76, right? So like Bran and Joss worked on one side of the gas station, which is, I think that was 76. And across the street was Shell, where Lance Subota, okay. he worked on. So they were like <laughs> opposite of each other, right? <laughs> and then, yeah, I remember it was nighttime, they're closing up. And then um, I remember Brandon Hiroshige, he had a really awesome looking GTS. And then he freaking like, you know, he was leaving and he just like, man, like what I, what I thought was drifting. Yeah, he was just like, ah, right out of the, out of the, gas station like super sideways and just you know you can hear the duels and everything i was like oh that's the baddest thing i ever seen in real life right yeah because yeah. that's i've never seen drifting in real life yeah but then when i saw that i was like holy shit, i want a freaking gts again yeah <laughs> so yeah i uh, ended up giving away the sr5 because it was like broken and you know back then you couldn't get like a simple timing chain right yeah it would take like years to get it from japan so i got wow. rid of that and then i got a gts again okay and is which... that the coupe that we all know no actually the... <laughs> so how many did you my... go through <laughs> uh no well after that one i uh my friend pedro domian he uh he put me in touch with another guy that had a, a more kind of like a, a cleaner coupe right straighter and uh with pedro i went to buy the one that i actually have now yeah so have then, now so do you still have it yeah yeah i still got it well not in japan but in hawaii yeah, i still okay. got it nice yeah i would never give it up unless it's for like children you know like oh like that's children. nice yeah. Don't give it up for That's children. <laughs> no. no, I mean like I didn't give it to the, you know, pass it to the Oh, next pass generation. it to them. Oh, okay. No, don't do that either. <laughs> no. You're like, what did you do? You freaking crashed this. Car. Yeah, exactly. No, we're not gonna do that. Yeah. But oh. then yeah, so I got that the one I, I currently have. Okay. So tell us okay, then, so in two thousand or in ninety four, you started your first drift, and it w it went bad, right? And it traumatized right. you. My my first like attempt to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, around when did you start picking it back up again? Oh, so when I finally got that last GTS, I think it was like nineteen ninety ninety eight or ninety nine, somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah, and then I I got it. I was still in college and then still didn't have money so so uh when i bought it i couldn't even keep it i i just let my cousin use it because yeah. i had no money to keep it and uh he had the car for like a year and then um yeah when i finally got out of college and then got like a job then i could start you know i want to soup it up and make it look cool Get yeah all the like, things yeah you know i want to drop it so you know at my cousin's house he was a mechanic right my cousin scott uh he we go to his house like all of us guys right with our cars and we start cutting the springs right and yeah you know any kind of cheap modification <laughs> yes. we can do like drilling holes in the air box and stuff like that my kind and of mods then, i'm so yeah. down <laughs> so uh yeah we'd go over there and as i got money i would try to get rims you know try to soup it up but yeah i didn't know anything about offsets or anything like that 
but in that process of getting my car, having a job, you know, starting to, you know, put buy rims and stuff like that for it. Uh, I met people, right? I met, uh, I met my friend, Tony, and he bought rims from me. And once I met those, him, he introduced me to Ed Kubo, which introduced me to like Brandon Lee and like a lot of like more people that were in the current scene of mm-hmm. things, right? So through Tony and Ed, I, how do you say, I guess um, there was like a, G, not GTS cruise, but maybe a Toyota cruise. Mm-hmm. And then on this cruise, you know, we go around the island and stuff. And then they, I think the last part was this big, huge dirt lot in a, in an industrial area. And then people would go in and they were like, you know, doing donuts and stuff. And then people were drifting out on the street. Well, I don't know if it's drifting, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, through those people, I got to find a lot. And then um, through my my cousin Scott again, the one we would go to his house to, you know, cut our springs and whatnot. <laughs> you know, he was not into cars that much at that time. He was more into motorcycles, like MotoGP. And then he told us you know we'd go to watch his watch tv you know he's got all the cool channels and he always told us the best moto gp guys were like guys who came from the dirt track and we're like i was like why why that why would they be the best and he says you know because they're so used to sliding the thing around that they don't care if they slide it around going right. super fast on the on the road so i was like oh okay so i kind of put his thing together with with the dirt track yeah I was like, oh, right there. You just like learn right. land the dirt. And then yes. when you're going on the street, it's just once you start sliding, it's like you're back in the dirt again, right? Yeah. So you should know what to do. So I, I believe, um, yeah, once I put those two together, I kind of grabbed, you know, our crew, which is like a lot of Salt Lake guys next to my house. Mm-hmm. My friends, Frankie, Ken, Pedro, Domian. Mm-hmm. He's another drifter. And um uh, our, our friend Billy, who's from Okinawa. So we would just like, hey, let's go, you know, just all of us roll down to that place. And then we brought like a cone and then we started, you know, trying to control the car when it's sliding. You know, in the mix. dirt? In the dirt, yeah. The dirt. So we How went on there, we had that? like cones and then we're just practicing, you know, like making small circles, big circles, kind of like decreasing radius, wow. increase radius. And then uh transitioning like transitioning like figure eights yeah and you know we didn't know what to do we didn't know what the hell we're doing it sounds like you guys were doing a full-on drift event in a parking (laughs) lot yeah yeah it's all dark and it's all like you know dirt and dust everywhere but we're trying to practice you know doing the e-brake 180s yeah e-brake to drift yeah like e-brake initiation Wow, I can't imagine and, like uh, all the dust storm, like yeah, dust you guys everywhere. kicked up. <laughs> it was like all in the car, yeah. You know, underneath. So every time we come back from, I think they used to call that place Triangle Park. Uh-huh. Every time we come back, we just like go in the driveways and we're like shooting down. So man, the street was just full <laughs> of just dirt. <laughs> we would bring it back from that that area, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah it was just all over the place. Oh my god! And Hawaii dirt is not like brown. It's like really bright, right? 
like yeah i think it was bright yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's uh that's how our gang started learning how to drift and then once we knew it on that dirt thing then we just started you know anytime it rains we go out and just you know drift because it's raining and it's kind of like the dirt track all over again yeah Yeah. and you save tires in the rain so yeah so what were what were those first drift session events like for you like the first one was nuts it was like tons of people everybody was there anybody who's like the street racer yeah you know everybody (laughs) who made you know who had like uh, maybe a, I don't know if they had a reputation or something of being an awesome racer or something on Catalyst. Probably everybody that thought they were drifting, uh, I'm not sure. You know, because yeah. uh, I didn't, I didn't really. Uh, our our gang didn't really hang out with all the cool kids with the cool cars and stuff like that. And you know, in in the scene, I guess. Yeah. Called, in yeah. the scene. Yeah. We weren't really in the scene, you know, we we're like kind of off to the side of the scene. So you're a nerd. We're just <laughs> I don't know. We're just just doing whatever we wanted to do. Yeah. Because we were in Salt Lake. Most of the towny guys, like where Roosevelt is, that's where all like a lot of the cool cars are at and probably more of the the car scene down there, right? Yeah. Mm. So the first drift session had lots of people. And yeah, it's just everybody who probably thought they were like awesome or drifting, you know, like, yeah. you know, but it was probably a rude awakening because yeah, everybody found out that, you know, now you're on a track and you're in front of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not just, not, it's not you're just not drifting anymore. You're it's like, not just <laughs> stories anymore about how good yeah, this guy yeah, is. Exactly. Right. Like we can Legends. all see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, now you're in front of everybody. And, right. That's why the second transition had nobody. <laughs> the first one had everybody. Like it was so cool because everybody brought out their FDs or yeah, you know, like Celica GTS, beautiful cars, Civics, Integras. Every <laughs> oh every racer out there was yeah. there to probably like, you know, maybe have fun or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, after that one, they it population right (laughs) it was a filter it was filtered so then by the second one but you showed up to the second one because you were the i showed up to the pretty much all of them yeah first second yeah what what are some of your favorite drift session memories i don't know i have a lot i mean what i liked about drift session is that you know everybody was kind of like a family even though we didn't know know each other but we all recognize each other right like Mm -hmm. Chris Cam with his Camaroku, he would yeah, <laughs> and uh, his Camaro Denny, for those the, that don't Denny know. Denny and Kenny, the Cabal brothers, yeah. they all had two forties. Yeah. Matto Attacko with his two forty SX hatchback, just like the usual suspects, right? Yeah, I'm sure LA was the same, yeah, right? Same. California, you had your usual guys that we were did. always there. Yeah, yep. and we just all became friends, and we all loved drifting together, you know, and having fun, and you know coming close to killing each other <laughs> right but we we survived and you get a lot of like those war stories like oh my god i almost hit you i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> you know sometimes somebody in front of you end up doing something you know wh- whatever happens right and then you're behind and you're like holy how am i gonna get out of this yeah. right i'm either gonna knock him out or i'm gonna go right into that 
the there's a guardrail in the Hawaii Raceway Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're that way or this way. Right. What's going to happen? What do you right. want? Bad or better? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I got, you know, I remember those situations a lot. Like, yeah. And it's fun to get out of it, you know, luckily, but sometimes you're not lucky, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the risk yeah. you take. You sign up for that. Yeah. 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 So I've heard this story from a couple of people. I want to ask you about it. Um, it was about um, when Kazama and Kumakubo were there for an event. Do you remember that day? Yeah, if those guys were there, like Kumakubo, I think they brought their cars down. It was super cool, like an S15, I believe Kazama had. And yes, a, when it was maybe blue. S13 truck. It, it was think. yeah, it was the K truck. Yeah, the still 80 truck. They were, they were there. And they're drifting. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's so cool." Well, what were the, What was it like seeing them? Yeah, it was, you know, obviously they're super duper good, right? I think that was the era of D one, right? And yeah, they're like really. I mean, Kumo Kubo, mm-hmm. that guy is like he can do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kazama, he, I think maybe he was around the champ at the time. I forget. But... He was doing really well. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah he was doing really well. Uh, Kuma Kubo was known for being like the best tandem guy. Right. Yeah. He could just like probably just hold on to your car while yeah. you're, you know, you're both drifting. Everywhere. Yeah. Like he could do no wrong. Right. He was like ordained as <laughs> <laughs> the god of drifting. Yeah. He really was. <laughs> yeah. So, he was nuts. so do you remember driving with them? Yeah. That was fun, man. Tell and me about I it. That's like a. One of the things I really liked about if I ever I ever got to drift with like D1 dudes, because it really like helps push me to like another, maybe out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and just do anything and everything I can to try to keep up with these cars, right? Yeah. Like I just, whatever, like everything's out the door. I'm just trying to keep up with, I forget, maybe, I think maybe Kumakubo was in front of me, I forget, but I was just trying my hardest to like, keep up. And did you, did you keep up? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so I think they're just too, too fast for me. You know, I was just like trying to nail that freaking, you know, gas pedal. The right. Guy, please, please, please. <laughs> so I want to tell you this story from the perspective of two other people, who okay. you know they were not. They told me this story independently of each other. Um, okay. and the story that I heard was they were on the track and you were following the two the two of them yeah so kazama's s15 was like 400 plus horsepower i'm sure uh kumakubo's uh, the k truck that was like 350 and up these were high horsepower cars yeah for and the time, right? <laughs> yeah for the time, for the time. <laughs> yeah. and and you were keeping up with them and this oh. is and okay so royce told me this <laughs> dave oh. shimokawa told me this and oh, and they said, of course, like they would get away from you on the faster parts of the course where there was a straight or something, right? Because they have so much horsepower. But you oh, were yeah, you yeah. were catching up to them on the corners, and you were close to them in the corners. Oh damn! And cool. yeah, it's just like it's like you haven't heard this story before. <laughs> you yeah. lived and, this, bro. And I then, lived it, but I don't. I remember you, trying my hardest to this, like yeah, and it showed. Um, and it, not only did it amaze the people watching like Dave Shimokawa or, or Royce, but it, it kind of shocked 
Kazama and Kumakubo because oh. <laughs> according according to what I hear, uh, you know, they wanted to see what was up with your car, how you were so fast. And when they popped the hood and your engine was completely stock, 100 oh, yeah, horsepower. I think I remember them popping the hood and I was like, man, I want to put an SR. They could not believe they, you were doing that with what you had. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had some power, you know, to at least you know, keep up with them better. That would be nice. Sounds like you didn't really need it. Yeah, I think you did fine. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, like driving a Hachi is like, oh my God, right? You mess up once and then it's like you almost had to like climb the whole ladder all over again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was like, you cannot make any mistakes, especially in that time. I was like, I cannot make no mistakes, man. But Stan, so you're, Uh go on, go on. Sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to ask, Dan, so now you're in Japan. So yeah. how did that happen? When, when did that happen? Um, I think every, on everyone's mind is, are you drifting in Japan? So answer all my questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, like uh, I think that track closed around 2006 and I still wanted to drift, right? And then maybe 2007, they had like those parking lot at uh, Aloha Stadium mm-hmm. and... Uh, like Barber's Point, we were cleaning out some section to do drifting. You know, we we're just trying to find anything to yeah. keep drifting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's probably like 2007, we were doing that. And, you know, each successive year, I could just see Hawaii. <laughs> it was fading, huh? And I just like, I got to get out of here, man. I yeah. was like, this. So this that place. you can keep drifting. So I can keep drifting, yeah. Wow. So my main goal to come to japan was just to keep drifting so mm-hmm. from my work i think i left in 2012 i think to come to japan and it was all for the sole purpose of just you know drifting keep yeah. drifting yeah but, and how wow. what's that yeah, experience like drifting in japan it's a such a different experience <laughs> <laughs> is this a good just thing a way, or... <laughs> i don't know Tell us the good and the bad. Like I thought, you know, my, when I came to Japan, I was like, man, I want to go to Sakia Hills, right? That that is a dope track. So I went there and then I would watch and I was like, holy crap, I got to get on this track. But then at that time (laughs) I bought that Mark II and then I thought the fastest way to get on that track is just to have a a shop, just fix it up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know the mentality of, you know, how Japanese work. Right. And they take their time oh, okay. <laughs> to make it good. It's got to be perfect. It's a lot of time. Yeah. Well, how much time are we I talking sh- about? And how much money are we talking and, about? Oh, because the yen rate was so messed up at that time. But I just like was dead set on getting this JZX. I must have paid like 50 grand at least. Oh, that. my Ooh. God. Yeah. That's the one you have now? Yeah. Your JZX 110 Mark II. Right. Okay. And probably... 25% of that was just because of exchange rate. So it's actually probably just a $30,000 car. Yeah. But man, exchange rate killed me. But I was so stupid. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just like, I don't care. I want it. You know, I, I don't, I want it. I want it. I want it. Yeah. And then I just thought the fastest way was just send it to the shop and then have them do it. Right. And then that was not the fastest way. So. How long was that process? Man, I must have went there like, 
I don't know, like January or before that, maybe December,、mm-hmm. probably December. Dropped off the car and then I think I got it back after summer. No, that、yeah. long.、Mm. And plus, I had to go back there because they didn't want to pull the fenders. I had to go.、Oh. Originally, they agreed to pull the fender, and then when I went to check out, they're like, "Oh yeah, let's put on this like,、uh, you know, like oh god, a little add on." I was like, "So it、no, looks, so like, it has the look." <laughs> yeah, I was like,、uh, you know, because I'm a Hachi dude, and you know, yeah, yeah. used to the pulled fender look. I、yeah. wanted、yeah. to do that. Yeah. So yeah, in the summer heat, oh, you know, the、like, Japan humid heat. Gross. I don't know, they're like, yeah. <laughs> Hammering fenders, <laughs> rolling fenders, doing the fenders, fenders, pulling the fenders,、uh-huh. chopping the fenders. Oh my god! You know, I learned all of that from Justin. <laughs> <to> watch,、uh, <laughs> you should have called him. Should have、yeah. slowed him down. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Justin, help me. <laughs> He would do it. Aaron, <laughs> yeah. Hey, but well, yeah. So, but when you got but, the car but, back, how was it? Was it was it good? When I got the car back, it was Sakia was done. Oh, was totally you missed、yeah. it! So I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, oh my god! So all these yeah, tracks just, are closing around you, man. Right.、And、Sakia turned into like a solar farm. I was、uh. like, "Oh no, man! What a bummer!"、Oh. But yeah, I got the car, and then、uh, the shop was really nice. They kind of made like a drift day at Autopolis, you know. For them and for me to practice on the car to、okay. figure it out, and then yeah, I mean I didn't really like the, you know, so much lag, you know, and I I didn't drive turbo cars before. Oh, okay. I only had my Hachi. Yeah. So I felt like that car was more, you know, weaker than my Hachi.、Right? Yeah. <laughs> But obviously, when it gets into the band, it's like superpower,、yeah. right? Yeah. So I had to get used to that, and the thing was like a lumbering. Big, you know, like、big. a freaking whale, right? It's yeah. Like, for the longest period of time, that car drove me. I didn't drive that car. Yeah. <laughs> that that car do went where it wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until I、um, figured out more stuff about it, where they they put these under under body braces、mm-hmm. for that car. I guess the construction of the JZX 110 is different from the o- older ones. Okay. So you have to do this where it connects the front to the back to、okay. be one kind of solid piece. Yeah. After that, it drifted up better, better. Yeah.、Uh, our friend Ryan Naka used to live in Yokosuka. I used to live in Nagasaki, so I drove my car up so we could go drift、um, Nico、oh, Circuit and Fuji Speedway.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, yeah, like my, you know, Maeda Ken. Yeah. Used to be like a, a famous drifter for Kachirokus. He would uh he meet us. He's so、Aww. he's super cool and nice and funny. <laughs> so he'll meet us and he'll come drifting with us. And, yeah.、Uh, introduce us to all his like OG friends over there. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, Maya Ken is dope, man. He's a really nice guy. What a life. Jesus,、yeah. you're spoiled. Does, does that feel like you're living <laughs> the dream, drifting over there around like people that you've looked up to and stuff? Maybe if I could do it more, like if I was here when Ryan. Naka was here. They would probably be a lot better. But I was stuck in Nagasaki. Tell me why? Why? Why you feel like it would be better with Ryan around? Because you know, like you know, the friendship, camaraderie, and you know, we'd probably be more into going to the track. You know, more like religiously, how we did in、uh, in Hawaii, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, in Hawaii at that time, Ryan and them were very young kids. Like、right. Ryan and my cousin Andy, they were up and coming and 
unfortunately for them, the track closed when they were getting like really good, you know, like super fast. Yeah. It seemed like those two guys were like destined to be awesome. But yeah, yeah unfortunately the track closed. But mm-hmm. I think if I was here, then we, me and him would feed off of each other, like go places, talk about it more, want to soup up the car, right. want to get better. So you haven't like that. found that uh, close knit group of friends to go drifting with and that makes it not as not as yeah. good for you yeah i mean i met a lot of great guys that were um you know car enthusiasts and stuff they love driving hanging out you know uh, racing but yeah like a like a regular group to just go drifting with it was a little bit harder to to find that yeah but, too bad <laughs> what a bummer you gotta you gotta call justin back you know you gotta call him and be like you gotta come down bro yeah and i wish build. they could all come up here and then we could just like start drifting together again i'll close this out with a question uh for you know for all of our listeners that don't know anything about uh the early days of drifting in hawaii uh what would you what would you like them to know about your experiences there what made it special for you uh i mean basically the kind of family atmosphere and um you know we had our group the the hachi dudes but even the other groups you know we all got along and help each other out and we're all friends with each other you know even though there's different groups like had like the front wheel drive dudes too, like Kyle Rai and Matt Oshima, mm-hmm. like um, pray for rain, Matt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a whole a lot of personalities, and it was so fun, you know, with yeah. everybody. Everybody had like their own personality or or like a saying attached to them. Yeah, like pray, the like the pray for rain. <laughs> and what was yours? Everybody had their little. What thing was your saying? Oh, I didn't have a saying. I don't think I. Had you didn't a have a saying. I heard, uh, I heard Stan the man. I heard, I heard handsome Stan. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that one too. I don't know. I, I think I forgot how that came up, but one time just people started calling me that. (laughs) You don't want to say it. What are they talking about? (laughs) Legit though. like, Like. Stan, you look like the guy from Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> he does. Oh, you are. Um, you are handsome. What's that guy's name? Oh, I uh, I don't remember that Henry guy. Golding. Henry, Henry Golding. Golding. You're giving me Henry oh. Golding vibes. <laughs> I don't know what was going on back then, man. It was just crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's good times. It was fun. It's yeah, it was really fun. Well, yeah. thanks for doing this interview with us. I know it's early in the morning for you, and you had a long night out the night before so oh yeah no problem thank you guys man yeah sorry it took so long it didn't take long no, i just, just i just moved so yeah i couldn't do anything no, it was, it was, the timing was perfect it was all meant to be yeah it worked oh, out okay. and stan where can we find you on socials i think my name is <laughs> you don't know your instagram handle no uh, maybe it's angelic oh yeah angelic, angelic jzx yeah. Maybe Benson will just plug your socials. <laughs> <laughs> so, Honey Buns, where can we find Stan on socials? You can find him on Instagram at AngelicJZX. There we go. go. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, it's done. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you in Japan. All right. We're going to come drive your car. Hope you can find it. All right. (laughs) We hope you can find an S15 for us, too. Cool. Thanks. (laughs) Hopefully. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, Stan. Thank you, Stan. All right. Okay, guys. Arigato. guys next on our journey back to hawaii drifting in hawaii honey buns who do we have next so for this segment we have someone who was pretty integral to drift session uh when you talk about drift session and the people that were running it you hear three names uh pretty often you hear dave shimokawa you hear uh tom bryant and you hear our guest for today and his name is Mike Kitchens. And you'll see that uh, if, if you are familiar with Drift Session, if you're familiar with a lot of the videos that they produced, um, Mike Kitchens was doing a lot of the uh, videos of the competitions. You see him, um, or you don't see him, you hear him. He's, he's commentating. He's, he's uh, kind of doing the play-by-play about you know what the drivers are doing, how well they're doing. He's announcing the scores. Um, and so... This is my first time actually seeing Michael Kitchens. So <laughs> we know the voice, don't know the face. Now I know his face. <laughs> so Michael Kitchens, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Aloha, guys. Aloha. Aloha. It looks like a beautiful day over there in Oahu. Yeah, this is just, I use this to remind myself <laughs> that I'm in Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, okay. It looks like that every day, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't get outside too much actually lately, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time out to come on the show and let us grill you. We, we're going to. Thank you. We're going to go back. Like, we're going to go in the time machine. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have to dust off the cobwebs a little bit, actually. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it was a while ago, and a lot of stuff has happened since then. So, yeah, yeah, totally. All right. Yeah, and we're not getting any younger here, and so this is really a good exercise for your memory. Yeah, I actually just watching the other podcasts, and 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 it's just taking me back to that time period, and it meant a lot. So I really am happy to be here and and to to talk about this with you guys. Well, yeah, sure. We're happy to have you. To, Super to happy grill. to have you. To That's grill. It's <laughs> okay. I like grilling. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. he's down. Yeah, right. you know, I we, asked a heavy hitting question. No, no, no. My, oh, I mean, Mike was also talking about getting ready for Super Bowl tomorrow. Right. So no. yeah, this has it. I like to eat, obviously. So you know, yes, we all yes. like to eat. <laughs> Um, so Mike, take us back to the beginning. Um, I, I got a little bit of information about you from Dave Shimokawa and he said you, um, you started with Drift Session in 2004. Is that correct? Yes, it is actually. So, I mean, I guess if you want from the beginning, uh, I'm actually retired military and I got hurt while I was over in the United Kingdom. And oh, this wow. is in 2003. Uh-huh. And what happened was I've always been a fan of, of racing and drag racing and whatnot and, and road racing. But when I got hurt, I got bored and I had LimeWire. So uh, <laughs> somehow I hit upon a video option video and best motoring and all these other things and drifting Tengoku. And I just got addicted to watching them. It was something to do while I was recovering. And uh, turns to find out my, my wife is from Hawaii and we're going to retire back to Hawaii. So I started digging into what's going on over here. And that's when I found Drift Session. Very cool. So it's meant you, to be. So before you came to Hawaii, uh, you had already known about the all the stuff that was going on with your session? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's actually interesting because 
I actually, you know, after consuming all this media and being so amped, and actually I had to relearn how to drive. I bought a simulator. I was doing Gran Turismo with it, you know, trying to get my leg back into a functioning shape. And uh, I started, well, I'm going to Hawaii. Do they have any racetracks there? You know, and I contacted Thomas Bryant over the phone. I said, listen, I don't have anything going on. I'm coming, retire I'm going to be retiring there. Can I work at the track? How can I get a part of what you guys are doing? Because I'm aware I saw Drift Session, the website, you know, and what they were doing. And uh, I figured this is a good way to kind of start over because I love the camaraderie that exists with people and motorsports. Yeah, so do we. It's and, like the and best we, part. Yeah, and we really got a sense uh, from, from our past interviews uh, how strong that camaraderie was. It was very, a very tight-knit family. And uh, even to this day, after... After all these years, after the the track closed, um, they're still very tightly knit, like great friends. So uh, yeah, um, can you tell us what were you doing for drift session when you first started? When I came to drift session, I was actually it wasn't just drift session. I actually was doing everything at the track. So I was helping Tom Bryant. I was one of the few people that go out there and fill potholes and fix the guardrails after an event, whether uh -huh. it was drifting or if it was time attack. You know, um, so that's kind of how I started was just being a, a extra pair of hands to do stuff. But as we got into it, I noticed that, man, we've got these amazing visuals. And yeah, we had a couple of videos that were going on, like Green, uh, I think, uh, Green Bottle and, and, and some of the other things that were going on at the time. Uh, but there wasn't really a presence online, specifically from the organization of, hey, here's all this amazing media content. So I was like, hey, can I get some cameras and film this? Would you guys be okay with that? And uh, I had never really done video editing before that, but I, but I gave it a shot. And I think that's one of the things that uh, I played a bigger part in is just getting that stuff on the web, starting to take photos of every event, getting it concentrated into a form where we can put it on it. Because back then, YouTube was... I don't even know if it was a thing, really. I, I don't Actually, think so. Yeah, Maybe it, it had just started, but it's not the YouTube mm -hmm. that we recognize today. Definitely. So it was all media. All of it went to the website. It went to the forums that were there. Uh, we had a lot of forums, you know. So it was it was a little bit a little bit all over the place, but it was something very visual, and I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. And so, so how did it feel when you first got there? You you were seeing drifting in person with these Hawaii drivers. What was your first impression? It was incredible because they were on a totally different level. When I was in the United Kingdom, I witnessed one of the first drifting events at Silverstone. Silverstone, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they with, were trying with, to drift. With D1 GP? No, it was way before that. Way before, before D1. Before okay. It was, yeah, one, it was it, the grassroots stuff. Right. The okay. grassroots stuff. And these guys were trying to drift Subarus, you know? Yeah. Uh, wow. And it was just a totally different experience come to Hawaii because these guys were on such a higher technical level. And I thought that was amazing. Uh, so there's a couple of things regards with coming to Hawaii. Number one was the atmosphere and the culture. As you can tell by my speech patterns, I'm, I'm very straight-laced. And, uh, you know, over here, it's a little bit more laid back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it took a little bit of integration. Um, coming off the military and being off of that whole order kick was different. And Hawaii taught me a lot about family and, and friendships and bonding and just having good times. And that was something I really hadn't gotten in the military too much because I was bouncing around so much. Right. So Drift Session, coming back and seeing Drift Session, it really was a change in my life. And it's something that I have really taken to heart in a big way. Right. Nice. Yeah, uh, we, we hear that a lot. Um, 
here on the mainland, um, it feels like if you get into drifting, or at the time it felt like if you got into drifting, your goal was to go pro. It was to compete and make a name for yourself and and all of these things that uh, our our Hawaii guests have not really talked about that. It's, it was more about uh, doing something fun. It's about having a passion and but it's doing it with your friends and it's to, to have a good time. And it's less of the serious stuff that I feel like we got here on, on the mainland. I think so. A lot of these guys were just coming to, you know, we would set up in the morning. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from an event perspective, another one of the persons behind it. So there's some things that I didn't, for example, to partake in, such as the barbecue at people's houses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I did less of that. But we would come, set up an event, have a great day of just watching people go at it all day, you know, uh, just hitting it hard. Um and then by the end of the day, we'd have a, a barbecue right there at the track. You know, we'd burn a little fire. We'd be hanging out, you know, toss a few back and just relate on how the day went. And that was massive. It was never really about competition. And even the competitions that we had at the end of the day was just kind of to get the guys into this mindset of where they could go, I yeah. think. Uh, and I think that was really smart of Dave and Tom to actually go with that because they were adding something a little bit more to the event that wasn't there. And... Obviously, I came in kind of late. I came in in mid-2004. The drift session already was already at this point where it was rolling along, and I just added a little bit to it. But when it came to the actual participation of the event, it was fun because you could see these guys grow. It was yeah. really huge in that aspect. They were growing constantly. So as someone who was able to, I'm sure you were, practically studying some of these drivers because of all the editing you were doing, right? You'd have to watch videos of these guys over and over and over, you know, cut here, paste there, all of that stuff. Can you tell us uh, who are some of your favorite drivers to watch? I got to say it's, there's, well, first of all, there's, there was a lot of great drivers, you know, there was a lot of beginners kind of there as well, but there were some key focal points. I think that I remember would be uh, number one, uh, you know, well, not number one, but I mean, one of the guys, Barry Wong, obviously, uh, he was hard charging with that cause um, car that he had. Uh, Jensen Kona was amazing. Keone Rodriguez, Steve uh, O, Steve Oliveros, yeah. you know, all, all the guys. Royce, I mean, just Justin, Earl Hoang. Uh, I could just name just tons of these guys that were just incredible. So, Mike, you, you mentioned a couple names, um, Jensen and Keone. Um, I have not been able to get them on the podcast uh, just due to our format and stuff, but I, I I do know that they were important, and I I do hear their names from other drivers a lot. They've been coming up. Yeah. Um. Can you describe to the listeners about them, that, what their personalities were like, and why they stood out on the track? Well, I'll go over Jensen first. Keone's uh, incredible. Um. But Jensen, I think. Uh, What's he Jensen's was... last name? Kona, Jensen and Kona. he was just, he did everything hardcore, you know, he would get out there with his, his 240 and, you know, have no hood on it, you know, huge, you know, intake jutting out of the hood, he was such <laughs> a character, you know, and, and he was a serious guy, but he had a lot of fun, he he ran this group called Red Handed, and uh, just, it was him and, and his friends, and they would just go balls, balls to the wall, I mean, he was one of the most enjoyable people to watch go through the sweeper. Yeah. Because he had a really he had some power in his car and he could really just hang it out there and get that smoke trail, you know, through it. Yeah. 
that intake standing straight up from you know no hood intake standing straight up uh the first time i saw that actually i think i i did see that from the drift session site but he actually made the cover of drift tengoku with his car like that yeah that was awesome when they came down here and and, and as you guys already know that there was a lot of Japanese drivers that came over, and yeah. I think it's due to the proximity, yeah. the fact that we were regularly going to Japan to Taz to you know introduce ourselves and 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 get these guys to come over. It was a really good cross cultural thing going with them. And Drift and Coco, when they came over, that was so awesome. These guys got some coverage, they got some exposure to Japan, and I always thought that was neat because I think I thought that a lot of the guys here really followed after the Japanese drifting style. Oh, definitely. Sure. It was yeah. very obvious that's where it came from. Mm -hmm. um, Keone, this is from a, a an event organizer perspective. So my other one of the other gentlemen that was involved in this was Dr Chris Messer. And Chris Messer is a former international racing school instructor down for, for Hawaii. And when Keone came in, he was really raw. Like... Mm -hmm. Street drifting is all he knew. He didn't understand rules and, 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 and requirements and other things that are. And he actually got in trouble a couple of times. And no offense. <laughs> to it go and it happens. A little, when it's, it right. happens especially when you're young. Right. And he actually got punished for a little bit and was told he couldn't come back. And But one of the things that happened with him is that he took it upon as a challenge. When he came back, man, he was incredible where he went you know he's wild obviously he was always wild that was one of the greatest things about keone yeah he was wild but he came back with this focus um he had an underpowered vehicle yeah right you know i think he's running just na or, or something i can't remember exactly what it was but he was he was running an underpowered vehicle but he could push it to its maximum limits and he was doing stuff that just was unbelievable i remember we got a shot of him going through the sweeper and he was drifting with his knees with both hands <laughs> out the window. Love and it. I took the picture. Yeah. And I looked at it. I was like, he's got both hands out the window. <laughs> what is he doing? How does he do that? <laughs> and and the sweeper is the most dangerous part of the track. And yet yeah. here, there he was. I mean, and he he really has skill. And he was just doing amazing stuff. He was one of my favorite people to photograph. Yeah. Um, I did, didn't mention Shige Hirabayashi, he was great. Yeah, can you tell um, us about Shige? Because he comes up a lot too in our discussions. Yeah, he was he was right on the level as, of Barry, I think. I always look at Barry and Shige as being kind of dual partners. Yeah. They were always kind of hanging out with each other. and uh, They did a lot was, of tandem practice together, right, right. towards the end. Uh, yeah, I do want to kind of mention that. So back then, from what I remember, and this is just my perspective, but I remember that a lot of the mainland drifting at the time was mostly open parking lots. Yes. And HRP was a totally different beast. You go off ten feet coming out of the off, uh, coming out of the the uh, uh, past the gatehouse, and you'd be right into a concrete wall. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it didn't, and that was one of those places where your automatic reaction was to swing to the right. Right. And if you didn't do it right, you know, that's it. Your car's done. Yeah. And that was, I think, one of the things that made our drivers so good at the time is because they were drifting on a very dangerous track. And they were just, if you, you, you only did it a few times, mm -hmm. you know, you either quit or you came back and understood, Hey, I gotta be, I gotta come at this a certain way. And we had a lot of incidents where people just nailed the wall. They went to the trees. Royce, for example, is that infamous, you know, <laughs> into the fence thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That was crazy. Cause the car went like that. Yeah. Um, we had people roll over the sweeper. Yep. Um, it was just not, 
I'm I, I'm doing track design now, and just I look back at HRP, and it was insane how dangerous that track was. We had fence posts that were only five feet away from the road, right? You know, just by itself. <laughs> right. They were somebody who's too lazy to pull it out, right. you know, and it was just sitting there and just. I can't believe that you know how dangerous it was, but nobody ever really. Also, got hurt, that so. sweeper, the fastest part of the track, would go into like a tight little window where you had to get on the straight. Right, <laughs> if you're offline or you know at those speeds, it's real easy to to mess up. You're you're basically climbing a wall of tires, yeah. and it was shaped like that. It looked like a, like a volcano of tires, and you just whoop, yeah. and then that was it. You're over. Yeah. And uh, the skill that these guys had, the really good guys. They would go into that sweeper so hard, so fast, and you know you'd see them have to correct midway to go around those tires. And I was like, man, it is so Japanese style. Yeah, you know, being able to correct at the last moment because it wasn't necessarily all horsepower. It's not like how it is now, where you got like a thousand horsepower mm-hmm. cars. These guys are just jamming it in three hundred, four hundred horsepower cars. Sometimes even less than that. Yeah. So you know, the ability to go in there and be able to correct midway, I think that was something that was became very important. They were facing a challenging track. Right. Um, I, I actually, just to give you a heads up, so if you've never been to Hawaii Raceway Park and you don't know about it, I recreated it like as close as I could to to the original track using f- a ton of photos that I've already taken and, and video and stuff. And it's actually available as a download uh, for Esoto Corsa free on Race Department. Yeah, nice. Mark just showed so, me that this oh week. Oh my gosh. I think I really tried to capture what it was like. And I think anybody that gets on the track realizes it was a very simple track. But yeah. once it got from the... Uh, the chicane to mm-hmm. the off camper to the sweeper, you really got to know what you're doing yeah. uh, down there. Nice. Very cool. And I, but I think we got on this subject because we were, t- uh, I mentioned Shige and Barry being good at tandem. Is there something you wanted to say about tandem? Oh, I'm sorry. So tandem itself was something that was kind of thrown in there, I guess, right about the time period where I started to come in. And it was kind of a trust factor because if you messed up during tandem, that was pretty much it. You know, you were going to take out somebody else's car. And, of course, these guys are just running off of, you know, their nine-to-five job, right? No sponsorship. Um, But these guys picked it up really fast. And they got to the point where they were busting through the sweeper tandem quite easily. And it was a natural progression in some way. It wasn't because we were forcing it. Mm -hmm. It was because they were watching the same videos, for example, that I was watching. And they were seeing the tandems. And they're like, let's do it. So, like, Barry, Shige, Jensen... Keone, all these guys, you know, Steve-O were just starting to get to the point where we'd have four cars, you know, just like the old old um, video option videos yeah. where they're just in sequence right. coming through. Right. And one of the things that was amazing about Hawaii Raceway Park is there was a lot of elevation change from the off-camber to the sweeper. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, I think one of the most exciting things was doing reverse course sweeper because these guys would come barreling in through the sweeper and then be switched back on an uphill into an off camber. Yeah. And it was just so visually spectacular. And yeah. you could see it from halfway across the track. Yeah. So you also talked about going to Tokyo Auto Salon. You you, uh, you said TAS, but I want to clarify for people that don't know this Tokyo Auto Salon. Um, you visited there often. Um, and you was that your way? Was that how you guys were able to get all of these famous Japanese drivers to the track in, in Oahu? I think it was amazing because uh, Thomas Bryant is actually from Okinawa okay. originally, and he could speak Japanese fairly fluently. He was a great connection, but him and Dave were going over there and talking to Kuma Kubo. They were talking to Signal Auto. They were talking to all these uh, Japanese heroes, essentially, and 
they did a great job of getting those gentlemen over here to to play and to party. And the relationships that we created were amazing, but these guys really came over and they just blew our guys away as far as, you know, the visuals they were provided. And that just created this urge and this desire to be as good as them. Yeah. So. I don't think that there was anyone else in the States that was doing that, like forming these relationships with these guys and, and bringing them over for, for us drivers to, to grow. Well, it was, a, it was the early days, Yeah, you know, it was when everything was just starting to come over and for example, formula drift really wasn't even a thing then. And obviously America took it and ran with it and they're on a, just a, an incredible level of skill and, they, they take everything to extremes, obviously, yes, right? Yes, uh, You know, it, it's crazy. I went to one of the first drift events at Irwindale and did photos of there. And it's amazing how far we've come since then. But Hawaii has a place in it. And I really appreciate the fact that you guys are doing these podcasts because I think it's important to recognize that we all had to start from somewhere. Yeah. And Hawaii was, a, even though we were geographically separated from the mainland, there is an important component to that transition, you know, Bringing that over, getting it popularized. People started to realize, well, what could this be and what will it be? And I think it all kind of started between then and the events the, the, the events that were starting on the mainland as well. But it was a significant time. It really yeah. was. I, I, I see that you kind of identify that, um, that the way that Hawaii grew its drifting culture is a little bit different than mainland, right? Can you, can you elaborate on that? What were the differences? What made you Hawaii unique? Well, I think, like I said earlier, the fact that we were drifting on a track was immense. Mm -hmm. The fact that it was continuous run. Right. Um, that these guys would just get out there and do laps and laps and laps and laps and laps and laps. And right. laps. That's basically what it was. They would basically get all morning to just run. You know, it wasn't stop, start. It wasn't start, finish, like you know, you're running an event. It was just you get out there and you just do it. We also had two different programs. We had DS1 DS2. So DS1 was just for the beginners. Those guys could get there and just practice on one turn. So that the rest of the guys who were more advanced, they would be off at DS2 and just be cranking it out. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things. The fact that they did have a lot of people come over to teach them, Ueo, watching Hibino, um, you know, come over and kind of shed their skills over. Even Kenji Yamanaka mm -hmm. uh, was coming over. And it was interesting to watch these guys get in the car with them and get ride-alongs. Yeah. You know, either as a passenger or the driver. I mean, to have Ueo teaching you yes. how to how to drift. Yes. You know, especially the Hachi guys. That was, I mean, I could just, I was watching the Hachi guys the whole entire time. Yeah. And those guys were just in awe. Their faces, you know, their mouths dropped yeah. open. And it was like watching, you know, uh, like a little kids right. falling around their, their, their mentors. It right. was amazing. Yeah, I want to reiterate. I, I mentioned this in the last episode, but uh, we had famous drivers come to the mainland but they did not come over the same way that they came over to you guys because they came over here to compete or they came over to do demos. They did not come to our grassroots events and they did not get in the cars with us and instruct us. It was more of like they, they put on a show and we had to absorb as much as we could and mimic it. Yeah. I mean, back then everybody was just trying to learn it. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it was an enjoyable time period, and I think those drivers that came over and that we still talk to, I want to see every single one of those guys back, you know, because all of them, I want to see them back here doing it again yeah. sooner or later. So bring us, can you bring us to the last event at HRP? 
And so you oh, were, gosh. you know, I'm sure that was a very emotional day, long time coming. You guys knew about it pretty in advance. And um, so let's go to the last day. Tell me about that. I mean, it's it's difficult because you know that that's it. And um, for me, it was it was a big deal because I had been moving every two years while I was in the military. And this is the first place where I really got to sit down and grow roots and to see all these people that we were uncertain of what we were going to do. You know, what brought us together was drifting. And, you know, each one of us have our own different lifestyles. We have family, kids. But the one thing that brought us all together, even though I wasn't a driver, was drift session. It didn't matter if it was spectators or participants. That last day was very hard from a certain standpoint in that there was uncertainty. Hmm. Um, I had a lot of optimism because I felt that we were going to get something new and that we were going to be able to do it because I was a big supporter of, of trying to build the track back then. And I, I felt that, well, we can, we can make this happen. We can make a change. We can, we can bring something back. So I was more hopeful. But there was a, a bit of sadness to it. You know, I think that one of the biggest things was the banquet that we had. Every year we had a drift session banquet where we'd bring everybody together. And I remember showing these guys this compilation video that I did of everybody from 2005 to 2006 and showing them just how good they were. Yeah. I don't think people really realize. I took all the best shots yeah. and put them all together in one big thing. And it's just when you watch it, and you can watch it online probably still now. If not, I'll upload it. But it's just, wow, these guys were on a level, another level back then. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I wanted to take that further. But just knowing that we weren't going to have the place to take it further was really hard. Right. Were you guys all like crying and like, did you try and then, you know, you have to close and stop the event at a certain time. But like, was it just like the Keone was just, you know, <laughs> the Keone came out and everyone like, no, one more. <laughs> I, I, I think, well, no, we definitely, we shut it down. You know, we shut it down. I, I mean, not, not like we closed the gates. We shut it down. Like we went beyond what we were supposed to do that day. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was a lot of burnouts and, and, you know, and chokadoris, you know, and all the yeah. good stuff yeah. going on. But, uh, it was one of those things where I, I don't think there was a, it hadn't hit us. Mm. Mm. We weren't at that level where we we're freaking out, you know, and, and oh, this is never going to see this again. Right. It was, there is a little bit of, you all had some hope. That, right. Exactly. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always imagine, uh, like, you know, maybe Mike, you're there, all the drivers have left. And then it's like, you know, those sitcoms, uh, where, it's the very last episode and, you know, you've watched the whole sitcom inside this house, this house scene, and then they, you know, sadly turn off the light and then walk <laughs> yep, out the door. Yeah, shut the door, yeah. right? I just, as soon as you mentioned, I was like, yep, I got you. Yeah. We shut the gates, basically. Yeah. And uh, it didn't happen till April 2006, which is one of the saddest parts because it was like April Fool's Day. That's you know what, what I mean? Is this a joke? Was everyone or- sure it was really going to happen? No, there's a lot of people, even me, I was just like, man, is this for really for it? Yeah. Come on, we can't just go. I mean, right. it was really complicated, the reason why the track closed, and I can't go into it, but it was, it's one of those things where looking back now, it didn't have to close. Oh. It was a, a purposeful decision that closed it. What a tragedy. So, yeah, it, and it really was, because you're t- not talking about just drifting. Right. You're talking about the track was built in 1962. Yeah. It was the home for racing for decades, and yeah. not only for drifting, but for everything. All right, sorts. drag Every racing, road racing. Motocross. Dirt right. track, Motocross all that stuff. Big. Yeah, and even outside of the track, you have all the businesses surrounding motorsport. Mm. A vast amount that have, you know, we just had our, like, for example, Ron's Performance Center. They finally closed last year 
Uh, they had held on as best as they could, but without enthusiasts here to use their parts, there's no reason to be open. There's no reason really to tune them. Right. There's show and, and, and looks, but, you know, it's limited. Not to mention with the advent of Amazon and all these other things. Yeah. yeah. You know, things have changed. Yeah. What, what, stands, what stands now where HRP used to be? It's been completely raised, and I actually have a lot of pictures um, that show when it was somebody took a backhoe to it and just uh, purposely destroyed all the roads so it couldn't uh-huh. be condi- it couldn't be condemned, right? Which was unfortunate. That's when you saw the tower burnt down. That's I even right now I'm getting choked up thinking about it because it represents something so immense, and to see it, uh, you know, burnt to shreds and the the con- and asphalt torn up. Yeah. That was. Yeah, that was really hard to see because you could never go back. It's gone. Right. And now it's just basically warehousing and industrials. The drag ship, the end of the drag ship is just turned into a bunch of warehouses. So it's kind of incredible too because it's not completely gone. If you go out there, you can see past a certain point the end of the drag strip. Oh, wow. It's still there. So you can hmm. still feel it. Yeah. You know, yeah. that spot. It's still there. She's there I still. just got chills. Oof. Yeah. Oof. It's, it's like that every time when you go out there. Yeah. Wow. So, so let's fast forward. I mean, over the years, you had a lot of hope. We all, I mean, everybody on the show said that they held on to hope and there's, they want another racetrack. They still have their cars. And, and they still have their cars in their garage rotting away, but they're like, it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. But it's been how long now? It's been a long time since 2006. So, 2006. I mean, gosh, and, over and 15, 16 years, 16 right? Years. So, and there's something you're passionate about. So, so tell us um, what's been going down. Like, what have you been? You know, you're passionate about the track. You're hopeful. You wouldn't take no for an answer. Like, this is just a. We'll see you later. We're gonna do another track. Um, how has that affected your life? And and what have you been doing about it? Well, in 2004, we knew that the track was gonna close. So there was an effort at that point being put on by the owners of the track or the leaseholders of the track um, to try and move to this world-class facility that was they were trying to build. So I jumped on board and became part of that effort. I helped to do the first cruise for Capital Cruise. I mean, we had like 500-something people at the Capitol with their cars on the lawn. We weren't supposed to do that. But, I mean, that was like a kickoff point where build the track became this thing. Yeah. And... But the thing is, is there's been so many efforts by so many people and so many different projects, and it's been a constant factor for several people, including myself, but it is something that I've lived for many years. I've dedicated almost 20 years to, you know, to well, just under 20 years to, to trying to build the track here. And it's not for financial gain. It's not for anything like that. It's because of Understanding what we're missing, the camaraderie, the family, the mentoring, the youth guidance, the opportunity to teach our kids, you know, a safe way to drive, you know, in a safe environment. Those things are just massive and they're missing. We don't have that. Yeah. So every year, nonstop since 2004, I've been involved in some effort to promote the idea, whether it's doing letter campaigns or talking to representatives and senators and I did every, I think personally, just from my own perspective, I tried to go down every avenue I could from a public perspective, working with the city or state to happen. And it's a luxury, unfortunately, for them. They have more pressing issues like infrastructure and and, uh, the, the idea of us putting money towards building a racetrack 
they just don't see it. They don't understand the impact. They don't understand the economic impact, jobs, all the good stuff. They don't get it. So I gave up on that. I just said, listen, it's time. We've got to do private. You know, the only way this is going to build, get this built is somebody comes with some money, buys some land, and starts to build it. So everything I've done has led up to the point where now, you know, that's where I'm going, you know, with this. We've got to build a track. It's time. Yeah. It's been time. <laughs> that's so exciting. Oh, okay. Awesome. And so how is your outlook? Um, it's 2022. How is your outlook on getting the track built? Positive. We're doing it. Good. I have, I have no doubt in my mind. Uh, there's, there's many times, like I said, there's several projects that came and went. Um, I think I put together, for example, myself, just a, an incredible team of people that it's, it's no longer a locally, we don't know how to build a track here. Way back in the 1960s, the last right. time we built a track here. Right. Hasn't done, been done in modern day. No. And, and that's the thing. And things are different now. Mm-hmm. You could, you can't just go plop a piece of asphalt. Right. You'll get in trouble if you right. don't everything. You can't just right walk, way. find a place and say, you know, stick your flag down and say, <laughs> oh, this is mine. I'm building a racetrack here. Unfortunately, it's just there's too many regulations, permitting, mm-hmm. all this good stuff that's really dry and you don't want to hear it. But it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. And I don't think people really, there's some people that don't understand that. Oh, go, just go build the track. Just go build it. Yeah. And it's not like that anymore. There's so many, so much stuff you have to go through. And what I kind of looked upon is, well, we need to reach out beyond. Because Hawaii, when you think about it, Hawaii is already a destination. It is an amazing place to go to. It's on a lot of people's walls. It's the place they want to see and they want to do. The one thing that we've really never had is this international focus on motorsports. Mm-hmm. And what, what, I've, what I've done with my track efforts is I'm working with the FIA. I've gone to the FIA and, 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 and asked for design approval on our project. You know, we're taking to the point where it would be an international facility, but it's being done in a way so that we aren't putting the cost of all of that on the local driver, you know, the local participant. You could come in through the gate and pay a small amount that's similar to how expensive it was to run at HRP yeah. and be able to get in because we're doing all these other things. Right. And I just think that's the way to go because the city and state, they're building a $12 billion rail they're building, I don't know how many millions of dollars stadium. Yeah. The pandemic, everything. I just, I can't expect anything from them anymore, right. I don't think, unfortunately. Well, uh, can you tell the listener if they want to find out more information about your track efforts, where can they go? I appreciate that. It's uh, Circuit Hawaii. It's part of our Build the Track moment, movement, as a BTT. And you can find us on Instagram at, at Circuit Hawaii or at Build the Track. They're both kind of mutually the same. We're on Facebook as well. Uh, we've done a really good job, I think, of putting this together and bringing it to where it's really close to fruition. We've got an international team of people who are building and designing it, and uh, along with the local people here too. And uh, I think it's going it, to. I'm firmly. I firmly believe it's going to happen. That's really so do. exciting. Yeah, I hope so. I that would be my biggest wish for for everyone on Hawaii to have a racetrack to to go to go explore their passions on with whether it's drifting, drag racing, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, there's there's too much culture there that is on pause right now. And I hope uh, I hope you guys get a track. I hope you guys get it soon. And I hope it uh, starts where it left off. Yeah, I, I think it will. I really do. Uh, <laughs> Hawaii has it. These guys have it. 
And then you'll get to drive, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the things. Yeah, I have an RX-7, so I have an FD. Oh, nice. And its poor thing is neglected right now. It's been up on jack stands for I don't know how long. Great motor, horrible exterior. Uh, But it's just waiting for it. You know, I've taken all the money that I would normally put in my car, and I've put every cent into this thing, this whole track project. But it's just, I just can't wait. That's the key. Go open the track. I'm yep. going to build my car. Right. And there we go. That's you know so I mean? exciting. We'll, well build you're, that car. you're definitely <laughs> invested in more ways than one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a big deal. It really is. Um, it's been difficult, I think, from a public perspective for people to understand just how difficult it is. Yeah. But I think the payoff will be worth it once we get it open and we have all this stuff, education, jobs. Yeah. We need it. We're diversifying. It, it's going to change the state. I have no idea. It's going to change the state, not just the island. Yeah. But the type of facility that we're building here is going to be a major impact. And then people will realize how important it was yeah. and why it was necessary to build it. That's so exciting. Well, best of luck. We wish you the very best. Can't wait. And I can't wait to I see do. your FD on the track. It'll be dope. So thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time out. And reminiscing with us in, in uh, sweeping all those cobwebs out. Yeah. You, you were good. Yeah, like you, you remembered. Good. Like you remembered full names. I'm I'm impressed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was hard actually. I, I feel kind of bad because there's a, there's some guys that'd be like, man, what about me? You know. But no, <laughs> just they, blame it on our, Mark. Say Mark edited it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta say, if I could just say one thing yeah. to yeah. the guys that the OGs, you know what I mean? Uh that was a special time. Uh Watching them develop and become some of the best drivers I think I'd ever seen, that was a real pleasurable experience. And, you know, they're so good. These guys are so awesome. They're kind. They're they're not mean-spirited. It wasn't competition-based. It was just good good times, good people, green green bottle. You know, <laughs> it was it was awesome. Yeah. And uh, I really want to bring that back. I want to see that back. Yeah. That's definitely. Me too. Same. <laughs> then we'll get then we'll Leighton will get some GTRs for us and some two yep. forties and then we'll be <laughs> there and then we'll be Sounds there. Good. That's, Sounds I'm good. We'll hook it up. We'll hook it up then yeah. for right. sure. I'm All manifesting right. that. Very so. good. All right. There you go. All right. Thank you, Michael. We'll see you soon. Aloha. All right. And that wraps up our two episode series on drifting in Hawaii. Remember, this episode is sponsored by Information. Guys, please follow us on Instagram at Mania, and you can visit us at podcast.saladymania.com and check out our YouTube channel featuring videos and photos of our guests from today's interview. Leave a message on our hotline too. Make sure to leave us your questions and comments and tell us about the first time you fell in love with drifting. Leave your message or text to 323-607-6075. Once again, 323-607-6075. And guys, we'll see you in the next one.